right. All right, Justin, sing me a song that is like a like a remix of a song that's longer than the original song. Uh, damn it, I hate you. Well, I don't know if it's longer or not. That's such a weird trait to put in this. Um, I don't know if it's longer, but you know what was that band that did the that did the um they did the cover of uh. Eddie, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay, Eddie? But it was a band. What? What? what Alien Ant Farm. Yes, them. We'll go with that one. It was a pretty much a part for part remake. But I think theirs was a little longer because there's a guitar. I, I think there was a solo part in there that they did that was a little longer. So we're going with that. All right, I'm gonna withhold giving you points while I verify song links while Heather goes. Oh no. Heather. That was a good go. call, though. I can't think of anything. Um, let's see. A remix longer than the original. Um, why can't I think of any remakes right now? Um, I'm blanking. I can't think of one. I can't even think of a remix song right now. Um, I'm gonna have to lose points on this one. I don't know. Well, you were supposed to give me something and give me time to actually look it up. <laughs> Um, I tried. That's why I was umming because I was like, um, maybe something will come to me, but I can't, uh, think of anything. So Heather, all I can think of right now is the song that Jason just sang. Cause it's a good song. So Heather <laughs> gives officially no answer. So she gets no points. Yeah. And for Jaston, officially the radio edit of smooth criminal is like four minutes and 19 seconds. The Alien Ant Farm is three minutes and 29 seconds. Justin does not get a point either. Ooh, I'm surprised by uh, that. What do you mean by the radio? What does that mean? Well, there was there was the like, music video cut, and then there was the radio cut. Okay. The music video one's nine minutes long. What about the track? Like, if you buy, so... If you buy it on the radio iTunes, cut the exact if you, same? If you buy it on as, iTunes, on, like, the... From the album, there was like Michael Jackson's Ones, which was his like greatest hits and stuff. Four minutes and 19 seconds. Damn it. Okay. Yeah, Justin, you don't get it. That's the whole point either way. So no points for you. So since we have a guest that on this surprisingly one, hard. I don't know why. It's the easiest one in the world. We'll give, we'll give Kurt a shot here. Kurt, since you are a guest, <laughs> do you have a song that has a remix or something like that or a remake or whatever that is longer than the original version? Uh, I had one in my head, but it's not uh, it's not longer than the original one. My my guess was going to go with uh, Stacy's mom by uh, Bowling for Soup. That remix. I thought. So are you talking about the Bowling for Soup version of Fountains of Wayne's Stacy's mom? Yes. Oh, I didn't even know they did a version of it. Hmm, who knows? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, they did. But the Fountains of Wayne version is like, I think it's 17 seconds longer than the Bowling Pursuit version. See, it's a hard one, Sterling. Do you have one that you can think of that we should have nope, answered with? But I, the onus isn't mm. on me, so I don't got to do shit other than pose the question and tell you if you're right or wrong. That's all I do. Usually you have like the correct answer is. Yeah, that's neither here nor there. You know, this was a hard one. That's why. I bet I could find one. Oh, boy. Because I want to say there's a few Kelly Clarkson remixes out there that are like seven minute long dance versions. By who? Some random <laughs> DJs. Okay. I mean, you're probably not wrong. Also, now that I think about it with this whole thing, there's kind of a weird controversy with this because technically, 
like when you think about the Zack Snyder Justice League and then the theatrical Justice League, technically isn't Zack Snyder's the original? And then somebody was brought in to change Justice mm. League. So technically, this is like a vision versus vision thing. Who's the real vision? What's the real, <laughs> what's really the original version? Is it the one Zack Snyder did? Now, de- now de- he also added footage and stuff like that. But how much did he add? Like, was it still, uh, I'm pretty sure his original shots were still over two hours. Like the theatrical okay. cut. So then there's a weird controversy there. Cause I think there's not really technically you could argue Zack Snyder's is the original. But what one came out in theaters? What is considered the actual cut of this movie kinet- kinetically? That is the theatrical cut of this movie. This movie technically yeah, exists it- in a vacuum. And also the Jason Nevins dub version of Since You've Been Gone is seven minutes and twenty seconds, which is longer than the original version. Nailed it. <laughs> yeah, but you didn't sing it. Yeah, oh, that's true. But that's I don't true. have to. That's the whole point. See, you're trying to do that yeah, camera yeah. You bullshit make the rules. when she was like, you didn't sing it. No, I don't have to. You <laughs> asked for a version, and I gave the Sterling version of the answer, which is the correct answer always. Mm, right. I forget. So just face it. Nobody gets points but me, as it should be. That sounds right. It's a dark cloud, though. A little bit of controversy. There's on zero controversy, Justin. You're just making up bullshit. <laughs> no, I think I, I think there's a legitimate gripe there because technically Zack Snyder's version is the one that was shot first. But well, okay, but Justin, which one was completed first? You're basing yours on which one was completed the technicality first? of which one was of it came out in theaters first. Which one which was completed fine, first, Justin? Answer my question. Well, the theatrical cut was completed first. Therefore, it's the original. It's done. It was done. Can't be can't be a remake or a recut if you were done first. You're the original cut. Yeah, true. You are the original cut in quotes, but so there you go. And on that note, here's the theme song. Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And today we do have a special guest for our Zack Snyder Justice League episode, which I hope we don't go as long as this fucking movie did, because dear God, that would suck. So either way, we do have a uh, a Cinefan on this episode with, with Kurt. Say hello, Kurt. Hey, what's up? What's up, Cinefans? See, there Yay, we go. Yay, Kurt. Yay. I'm super psyched to be here, you guys. You have no idea. I've been thinking about this for weeks and weeks on end, just getting myself pumped up for this. I'm so excited to talk about this. We'll see if that sentiment lasts after I say <laughs> what I've got to say. Um, Challenge accepted. So, as always, we will talk about what we liked, didn't like, and everything in between with this movie. We will go spoiler-free, give our recommendations and scores, and then go into a more spoiler-centric section. So, starting us off with this one, let's just go, Heather, 
What are your spoiler-free thoughts? Well, um, I have a little bit of a different take on this one because I never saw the original Justice League, which might sound crazy, but I intentionally wanted to go into it seeing what I felt about it without seeing the other one. So, um, I mean, definitely, there's no doubt about it. It was very long. Um, but honestly, I didn't, I didn't hate it. I honestly didn't. I thought, I thought it was fine. Like it, um, I'm not as invested in the storylines mostly of like the DC movies as I am with the Marvel ones, but it was good. I mean, I think that it, I had to kind of recall sort of some things that happened in the previous movies and things like that, but it was, I think that the cinematography was really good. I think that, um, the it, it's hard to say because like it actually I will say it did it was slow in some places but it actually didn't feel as long as I expected it was going to feel so I can give it that and I also um I don't know it was it was kind of hit or miss on the acting for me like there were some moments where the characters were pretty solid in like their reactions and what they did with their characters but there were a lot of moments when it was like really cheesy (laughs) and like, it just, it was not their best version of the characters. So I don't know that one kind of, that kind of threw me a little bit on this, but overall, I mean, the storyline of it, um, I do think the music and the soundtrack or the score was awesome. Um, I mean it, I will say it's definitely a dark, you know, it's a darker movie. But it is, um, you know, it's it's good. I mean, it's got some good action scenes in it. It's kind of, I wouldn't say run-of-the-mill superhero, but I mean, it's got all the stuff that I do like in superhero movies. I tend to be a fan of the ones where the entire, you know, team comes together and they're all working together to get the villain. I like those movies a lot. So I did appreciate that aspect of it. Um, again, going in, not having seen the first version of it, I can't really compare on that end, but it didn't distract me from enjoying parts of this movie because I didn't see the original one. So my, my fresh first take of it is going to be that it's, it's decent. It's fine. It's very long, but it's fine. Um, I'm not going to consider it like one of the best superhero movies or action movies, or even the best of these specific characters' movies that they're in, but it's fine for what it is. Justin, what about you? Cool. And that's interesting to hear um, a perspective like that because most of the people that I've talked to did see the um, the the Josh Whedon cut, Josh Stisleek. So they saw that before they saw this one. So, I mean... Um, so most people, you know, when they're talking about this, the 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 first thing they're talking about is how it compared to that one. So it was interesting to hear the perspective of somebody who has just watched this one. So you actually watched it the way it was meant to be watched. You know, this should have been, this was the original cut in a lot of ways, but that's not what we got. So now you got to go back and watch the other Justice League, though, because I'd be interested to know what you say about that one, the two hour one. But anyway, um, I honestly, I liked this. I thought that this was a good movie. I thought that um, it is infinitely better than like 
the Josh Wheaton cut that we got. I think that Zack Snyder, um, and I don't know, I just feel like maybe there's a lot of different things uh, to think about with this movie because as you're watching it, you're, you can't help if you're followed this and you understand like the story with Zack Snyder and how this movie was shot by him. It was originally done by him and then he had to step away his daughter passing away and then him having to kind of, then he kind of stepped down from Warner Brothers and everything and all of that stuff that happened. And then Wheaton was kind of brought in, cut out a lot of the stuff, changed a lot of the stuff. And that's the cut that we got. So knowing that storyline and knowing what some of the actors and actresses were saying about how much it changed, uh, especially Ray Fisher. I think Ray Fisher, who plays Cyborg in this, was really big on saying, you know, he had issues with Joss Whedon and that might have led to his character not really getting justice, pun intended, that it should have gotten and stuff like that. So as you're watching this film, you can't help but think about those things. Like, if you're somebody who's followed this, now Heather... You're totally like in a different class when it comes to that. But for for a lot of people, that that's what they're thinking about. They're thinking about this, and this is really was like a director, a director's journey to really put his original vision, what he originally shot, on the screen. So that's kind of what this was. And so when you're so when I was watching this, I was like, man, dude, I I, I couldn't help but make comparisons, and comparatively. I just think that this was superior in a lot of ways. When we did our, um, when, when Sterling and I did our episode on the other Justice League, the Justice League, the Wheaton cut, um, I said I was looking for three things. And if, and, if, and if this movie did those three things, I said that I would enjoy it more than the Wheaton cut. And I said, if it develops, um, if it gives me more character development for Flash, and Cyborg, I will enjoy it more. And the third thing was, I need more development for Stephen Wolf. I need to understand what he was doing, why he was doing it, what motivations he had. And this movie delivered on all of those things. I also think there are some specific scenes that I'll get into in the spoilers that I made notes of that are just superior to what that original cut was. I think that this was a little more grandiose. Uh, Gone was a lot of the comedy, if that's what you remembered from the the Whedon cut. It was way more comedic, way more kind of trying to go be more like the MCU style. It was way more colorful. This one is very Snydery. You know what I mean? This is darker. It's more serious. There was some comedy there, but it it's definitely not what that Whedon cut was. So you know, whatever floats your boat. But I don't necessarily think that hurt this. I think that the the the, the seriousness of it and the way he shoots it and the way certain scenes worked, I think it did work better for his vision of this movie. So yeah. Oh, and overall, um it now the four hour length, I will comment on that just really quickly. It was I do think that there were some things that could have been left out. I didn't like every decision 
that was made with some of the characters and different things like that. And I'll get into those dislikes as well. So this is by no means a perfect movie. It is by no means like, I'm not going to be jump on the train of, oh, it's one of the best superhero movies ever. No, stop. No, it isn't. Now, when it comes to the DCU movies, I, it might be one of the better ones. I think it might be in that upper tier. I do think it is for, for their movies, for their collection of movies. But as far as like, um, you know, is it one of the best? I don't, I don't believe so. But I do think that the, when I look at all of it, the sum of its parts, I do think this was more effective. This was a better way to tell the story. I understood there was more character development. And if you have all of those things and the other movie doesn't, for me, you are a better movie. So, yeah. So overall, that's what I thought about Justice League. Thought it was a very good movie. But there are some things in it that I didn't like that I think keep it from being great. But it is a very good superhero film. Kurt, what about you? Well, as you know, this has been something that's been four years in the making. Uh, me and millions of other fans have been waiting for this version of Justice League to come out. And comparing it to um, the Snyder Cut – or not the Snyder Cut, I'm sorry, the uh, the Joss Whedon Cut, um, they I, – I don't think they compare. I noticed that there were a – there was a lot of – cringy dialogue in uh in the jazz Whedon cut and that i didn't really care for but uh going back to uh the snyder cut i did not feel like this was as long as it uh as long as it felt i think breaking up breaking it up into parts really just helped it um roll smoothly all the way toward the end um uh, to play off what Jason was saying, Ray Fisher's performance. I loved Ray Fisher's performance. I think this was just kind of like a uh, like a um, a uh, a redemption for him after all the uh, bullshit he went through with Joss Whedon and um, the uh, the music. As Heather was saying, I loved the music. I think the music uh, fit a lot better with some of the scenes that they. Uh, uh, used it for, um, but overall, I actually had to watch this movie twice. Um, once for just to get my my fanboy urges out of there, and then to watch it again to really see if I enjoyed it. And I, I really did enjoy this. This was a huge, huge step up, huge improvement from the previous Justice League. So I definitely enjoyed this. I would highly recommend this. Well, for me, I'd put this at a straight up. Man, this movie's too fucking long. I I I don't know what 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 Kurt was saying when it didn't feel as long. Man, this felt every bit of four hours and then some. I I think that this movie was too overstuffed. I think the reason why a lot of this movie suffers is the fact that since DC wanted to go ahead and jump into a combined universe and a shared universe without actually building up the characters beforehand, you get a lot of intro stuff in this movie that you could have done better in a solo movie and not had in this movie. I, especially whenever they, they add a ton with cyborg in it and then they don't really give the, the intro to flash outside of just mentioning, Oh yeah, you were struck by lightning. So it's why are we worrying about intros for some characters, but not others? And it makes this movie very clunky. Now, I know 
both Justin and Kurt mentioned dialogue changes and stuff like that. I don't think that that was beneficial in this because one of the few things I really did really did enjoy about the, the Joss Whedon cut is when Superman is beating the fuck out of Batman and does some callbacks directly to Batman versus Superman, which actually made some of the lines that were kind of dumb in Batman versus Superman kind of actually gave some resonance and stuff like that because of them being referred to in this. And then when that's completely dropped, it feels dumb. It, 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 it killed some of the scenes that I actually enjoyed from the original cut. Like whenever you have that fight with Superman and the justice league, I feel like they ruined that, that fight with this. I feel like they give credence to certain things that don't necessarily need credence to. There is a story arc for Batman's gauntlets in this movie. What the fuck? <laughs> it's just tiresome. I don't think Stephen Wolf really looks that much better. I don't think the motivations for Stephen Wolf in this are that much better. I don't think adding Darkseid to a lot of this, which we do find out that it is technically Darkseid, so there we go. I don't have to worry about going back and forth between Dark Side and Dark Seed. Whatever. It's just Dark Side. Why was he in this movie? Because they wanted to make sure that originally, if they ever did it, you know, Zack Snyder's vision, you know, he would be in all three of the movies. Which also, this movie sets up so much stuff for movies we're never going to get. Which also makes it just dumb. Also, this movie doesn't even keep in continuity with other movies in its universe. This it's, it's a joke. It, it, it Snyder wanted to jam pack so much into this movie to make it this and that instead of actually focusing on an actual cohesive story. I have seen so many people describe this movie as cohesive. I don't think people know what the definition of cohesive is based on how many times they've said that. I have seen this cut three times now. In fact, I have watched both this and the theatrical cut three times this week. I have seen 18 plus hours of Justice League wow. this week. And honestly, when it boils down to it, all that this movie made me really want to do would be if I watch anything ever again, which I highly doubt I ever will do. I highly doubt I'll watch either one of these movies ever again. But if it comes down to it, if I, like, gun to my head, I have to choose to watch one, I'm probably going to watch the theatrical cut because it's not so damn long. It actually, to me, makes more sense in, so, in, in a lot of the instances that actually matter for the movie being made. And it's not shot in a stupid fucking format, too. This movie is in fucking four by three. What the fuck? It's not 1952, Zack Snyder. We don't need stuff filmed in a square format because you think it would look better on IMAX. Because guess what? This movie never went to IMAX. Maybe it will now. Who knows? But also, who cares? Why are you formatting something to the way that a majority of your audience won't see it and then claim artistic choices? Well, also, why is your, why is your you know, artistic choices also... um? Let's make everything sympia-toned, like every other Zack Snyder fucking movie ever. You know, I really kind of appreciated Zack Snyder's action style in 300. 
I, you know, still kind of appreciated it when we saw it in Watchmen. Do you know what I didn't appreciate it in? This fucking movie. Because I feel like it added an hour and a half to this movie just because it goes slow-mo so fucking much. I understand that it makes sense when The Flash does it, but you know what it doesn't do? Every time Wonder Woman does something, it doesn't need to go in slow motion too. You know, they go so fast at, in her intro scene with her action, but then every time she's fighting Steppenwolf, as she swings her sword, it goes in slow mo motion for at least 30 seconds for her to swing her sword. It's bonkers. And I'm not the only person that thinks this because there is a, a man in my hometown who Justin also knows, which I say this because everybody weirdly knows this man. This is the man in Midland, Texas that everybody knows. No matter what your age is, no matter what, everybody knows this man. And his name is Aramis Carter. And oh, yeah, Aramis. Yeah, everybody knows Aramis in Midland, Texas. But distinctly what he said, and I'm quoting him, and I asked him if I could, because I thought that this kind of encapsulated a lot of how I felt about the way the action scenes affected this movie. And so I'll, I'll end my little spoiler-free segment that had mild spoilers in it with this quote from Aramis. It wouldn't have been four hours long if every other scene wasn't in slow motion. Just saying, I walked my dog, fed him, took a shower, answered two calls, six texts, <laughs> declined four robocalls, ran an errand, got something to eat, watched Avengers Endgame on his phone, and then he came back to the same scene. <laughs> that's Dude, <pretty> stop. <laughs> I feel like that's appropriate. <laughs> I really do. And uh, that really encapsulates a lot about how I feel about this movie. And it's quote unquote need to be four hours long with the worst epilogue in movie history. I think it's worse than the one in Deathly Hollow or Harry Potter Deathly Hollows part eight, where they weirdly age up everybody, but everybody just looks like teenagers with terrible fucking Snapchat filters on them. That was a terrible <laughs> epilogue. You know what's worse? The epilogue in this fucking movie that does like nine false endings, which is wanting to put Lord of the Rings Return of the King for a run for its money of when the fuck is this movie going to end? <laughs> I didn't hate the epilogue, but again, oh God. I don't know how it compares to the other. So I still think it breaks stuff and I've got more to talk about it. But what I have to talk about goes very spoiler heavy. So I think we're going to move on. You guys want to do recommendations and scores? Sure. Yeah. All right. Let's try out the new stinger, guys. Recommendations and score. There we go. That's a nice that touch. Looks, I that like that. That sounds good. Yeah, that's brand new. So here we go. Uh, um, Justin, what's your recommendation and score? Uh, yeah, I definitely recommend it, especially if you've seen the original, um, the the Wheaton cut of the Justice League, and you're wondering if this is even worth seeing or if it's um, anything, are you really going to get anything different or anything like that? And honestly, I think that the way that this was shot and the way that the story was told, it all, it felt like a different movie entirely. Like just the way that Zack Snyder saw it and set up and everything like that. I, I, really, it was like watching a different movie, you know, like and this and there are scenes that are just completely different, like what like down to what happens to characters. It's just completely different from the original cut. So I think there's enough different stuff here. I think there's enough fan service here. And I think there's enough interesting stuff here to where 
you may enjoy this for different reasons than you enjoyed the uh the weed and cut of this. Um so yeah, uh I I think that that's a good thing. I think that it's great that Snyder got his vision out there. I'm glad that uh that that given what happened to him that he was able to get this out there and get it um as close to his artic- artistic integrity as he could. So I feel like that's a good thing. I feel like this is a good thing. And I'm glad that uh, the majority of people are, um, I guess not Aramis, but I'm glad that the majority of people are enjoying this because the reception for this has been really good. So good for Zack Snyder. And now you got hashtags showing up, bring back the Snyderverse. So who knows? Maybe we will get some of these movies. I know that the rumor mill is saying there there there's being considerations now because of how well this has performed uh coming out on HBO Max. So who knows, man? You know, stranger things have happened in life. So we'll see what happens. But I do think that this is a a, a redemption story. Not only the Zack Snyder Justice League, but just Zack Snyder the person. And I feel like this does improve on the original version. I think it does in just about all aspects. And even if there were things that I thought were decent or good in the Whedon version, I don't think that this necessarily made it worse. If anything, it was just different. But I think overall, this story was just definitely more effective for me. So yeah, I definitely recommend it. I think it'd be worth your time. And like um uh Kurt alluded to, this, this is it's not like you're sitting in a theater watching this for four hours. It's it's I mean, we're in the binge generation. So I mean, if you binge things, you're not gonna have a problem getting through the length of this. And it is separated in parts. You could take breaks. I, I watched two hours. Then I took a little break, ate something, came back and watched the two hours. And and like Heather said, never did it feel like it was a chore. I, I didn't feel like it was a chore to get through. So, yeah, I think people will watch, could watch this and have fun with it. So, yeah, that, that'll be all from me. Uh, as far as a score, we're going to go. I think that's fair. We'll go 75 uh, Justice League combos to <laughs> Stephen Wolf uh sending him back to dark sided pieces uh out of a hundred. <laughs> Heather, what about you? Um yeah, I think that it's a movie that if you are a fan of the DC universe and the movies in general, such as our friend Kurt, I think that it's definitely one that you'll want to check out and see and I feel like anybody who watched the first one and was maybe like slightly let down by it and they were hoping this one would be better, maybe see it. Um, for me personally, I mean, I could take it or leave it just because in general, like this universe of movies, I'm just kind of like, sure, I'll watch it when I can. Like, <laughs> that's just kind of my preference. But I mean, I enjoyed the ones I have seen, but it's not one of those where like with other, you know, action movies or superhero movies that I'm like, I cannot wait. But I will say the trailer did get me more excited for this one. But um, yeah, I mean, it's I, I would recommend it if you are a fan of of the DC Universe or even of Zack Snyder's work. I say, sure, check it out. Um, I 
I don't feel like, you know, it necessarily added or took away anything from my life if I hadn't have seen it. (laughs) But I can see the appeal and I do see why there are a lot of people who do like it. So um, sure, I say watch it if you're a fan of DC Universe. Um, I'm going to give it, um, I'll go with 70 scenes of the Flash going in slow-mo out of 100. Kurt, what about you? Uh, for me, I definitely recommend this. Uh, for me, I've been a Justice League fan for uh, as long as I can remember from the start of the Justice League animated series. And I knew that when uh, when they released the Avengers, the live action Avengers, it was going to be only a matter of time before we were going to see a live action Justice League. And I have been waiting for this for yeah. so long. And uh, but uh like I said before, this is just a huge step up from uh, from the from the theatrical version. Um, so, yes, I'm going to recommend this. I'm going to give my score as an 82, uh, 82 uh, hot dogs flying through uh, the scene in slow motion, and then taking one and saving it for later for the dogs out of 100. Nice, you did our score <laughs> the right way. I appreciate that. <laughs> That was cool. I wouldn't be a fan if I didn't. I like that one. That's true. <laughs> um, if you love these iterations of these characters, sure, watch it. If it is anything less than love, if it's even just a really like, even if it's <laughs> a maybe after a few more dates, I could love them. If it's just anything less than absolute true love for these versions of these characters, <laughs> just watch the Joss Whedon one because I think it works better than this one did uh if if you love them like absolute true love like you see a future in a house with a white picket fence and kids with these characters then uh sure watch it you probably already have so that's what i'll say as far as the recommendation goes so i want to see if i tabulated this right so justin gave it a 75 heather gave it a 70 and kurt gave it an 82 so what i'm going to do is i took those numbers in that direct order Oh, boy. And I'm going to give this a negative 757,082. No, you did not. Out wow. of 100. So uh, much dislike for this movie. Um, oh, that hurts. Joss, oh, that hurts. Joss Whedon cuts a better movie than this out of 100. So. Oh, man. Oof. That's my Oof. score on this one. And I'll go into that in a little bit. Um. So, yeah, now for spoilers. Yeah. All right. Here's our stinger for that one. I love it. We're all kinds of fancy now. (laughs) Now, so with this, uh, spoilers for Justice League. Um, yeah, why did every time that any of the Atlanteans talked, it had to be done in an air bubble? That's not something that's canon for this universe. It's literally something that has only happened in Justice League movies. Now, the weeding cut had the same problem, but this one had like four more scenes of it. And it's dumb. I just, I hate that. Because this movie breaks, like I said, this movie breaks continuity. Everybody talks about how this is so, oh, fuck. What was the word I was using earlier there, but he kept saying? Starts with the C. Cohesive? Cohesive, yes. While this movie might be cohesive within itself because it does that constantly, you know what none of the other movies do that have Aquaman? That. So what this movie does is it's not cohesive with its own universe where it also messes up that stuff. And it really messes up a lot of stuff with Aquaman. Like, um, whenever Diana's like, 
mentioning that they breathe underwater. And Batman goes, oh, well, he, he doesn't. And he goes, oh, well, he must be, you know, must have mixed blood. Yet every fucking Atlantean in this movie breathes on the fucking surface just fine. Now, don't get me wrong. I am not the most studious of the Aquaman movie to where I know the ins and outs of the lore that they built in that. But at the same time, they kind of break their own lore within this movie, though, because it states that only mixed bloods can do the whole breathing on the surface thing. Yet Mora can do it. It shows her do that technically a couple of times. It technically shows any of them anytime they do an air bubble doing that. It shows those Atlantean guards that are brought to the surface. They're having no problems breathing and talking and stuff like that. So this movie isn't really cohesive. It doesn't even have an own, its own grasp on what the fuck it's doing with its own scenes between its own lines. It can't even follow those things in a real cohesive manner. Also, God, fuck, these fight scenes are still boring. They were boring in the Joss Whedon cut. So don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that that's a step up or step down in that matter. All I know is they're still just as bland as they were then. Outside of the Superman versus the Justice League fight, which I do feel like they ruined at the end of it because they got rid of all these kind of cool like aspects of dialogue that, like I said, tie it back into the greater universe. And then they give you some shit with some gauntlets. And dear God, why does Batman's gauntlets get a storyline? That is one of the weirdest fucking things I've ever seen. That an, like an article of clothing, an accessory, that is literally tossed to the side the second it's used, gets a fucking story arc. That is just beyond preposterous. And one of the many problems in this movie that make it seem like it really is just shit for Zack Snyder's sense of doing shit. Kind of like having the Martian Manhunter in this movie whatsoever. What did he really do? Nothing. Because you could have just had that actually be Ma Kent and it not be him. And then he just shows up at the end when he's like, yep, now I've got a stake in this world. Motherfucker, why weren't you helping fight Stefan Wolfden? Like, technically, the Justice League lost at the end of this movie. And because of the MacGuffin that the Fash can, you know, rewind time, all of a sudden that's why they, you know, were able to win. Which, I'm fine with that. But... Why, why didn't the Martian Manhunter have any stakes in that part of the battle? He only has stakes in the battle because, as far as he knows, they won. So now there's more battle to come. So if they had just lost then and the whole world gets destroyed and Darkseid technically wins, does he have no stakes then? But all of a sudden at the end of the fucking movie, he's got some fucking stakes. What kind of dumb horse shit fucking fan service is that? They act like, and they talk about how it was like, oh, eight years in the making because it also goes back to Man of Steel where that character is first uh, introduced into this universe, the, the, the army officer that John Jones is taking, you know, the shape of. Like, it goes back to that. And it's not really eight years in the making. That was them just tossing in some bullshit for the sake of tossing in bullshit. That is so much of this movie. It's just tossing in some bullshit. For the sake of some bullshit, like the Joker at the end of this movie. What the fuck was the point of that? Nothing. It was just for, you know, the or for Batman to say fuck, which don't get me wrong. I am totally down for Batfleck saying fuck. Just put it in a different part of the movie and just don't throw the Joker in there to allude towards stuff that we're never going to see anyway. And it's not like that's not known. Zack Snyder himself has even said he's not going to make the sequels to this movie. 
So why are you actually reshooting something like the Jared Leto Joker, which was completely shot for this version of the movie, had nothing to do with his original uh, version of shooting anything. And then he goes and puts in there this just to allude to some stuff we're never going to get, which also is some dumb shit. So I don't know if you guys noticed during this movie, you see Lois Lane had a pregnancy test in her dresser. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And how Bruce Wayne says congratulations to Superman at the end of the movie. It's it's alluding to the fact that Lois is pregnant. And uh-huh. in, in, in Zack Snyder's original version of all this, do you know whose baby that is? Hint, it's not Superman. It's Batman's. Hmm. What? So his version of this movie technically has, in the time between when Superman died and this movie, Batman falls in love with Lois Lane and they have a brief affair, which no results way. in her being pregnant. And then, you know, whenever Lois dies later in the movie or dies in the second movie, you know, Superman goes insane and all this other stuff, but you find out that it's Batman's baby and they have a fight and stuff, whatever. Apparently Warner Brothers nixed that and they were just going to make this Superman's baby instead. But the problem was, is this was already shot with that. Like th- they'd already filmed that part of it. They'd already done all that stuff before they'd really kind of got into some of that stuff, which just shows how fucking poorly planned any of this fucking was from the the beginning. But, like, so that idea that Batman and and, and Lois Lane fucked somewhere in this, where in this movie do you get that 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 actually happened? Like, it's not there, but it's meant to be kind of hinted at in this. But you don't get that. Also, one of the things that me and Justin had talked about in our Justice League episode was the fact that, like, Justin appreciated the contingency plan that Lois was for Batman to stop Superman from going crazy. Now it's an accident. Now it's an accident. He just, she just happens to see him in the sky after, you know, drinking coffee over there and runs back and stops him. That's some bullshit and dumb. Like so much of this movie is kind of filled with that. I will say this. I did like the fact that they got rid of uh, when when Batman and Aquaman meet each other for the first time in that bar. And in the Joss Whedon cut, it goes to, you know, like a mural. And it's like Aquaman in the middle of this mural with like these three boxes. And I'm like, well, the whole three boxes thing is like an old like tale. Like it's an old myth, if you will, at this point. Why would Aquaman be pictured in that mural? Because he's like 30 years old. Why would he be in the middle of this mural? Like that made no sense. So I was kind of glad that they got rid of that because it made no damn sense, you know? So I'm, I'm glad that they fixed that aspect of it. But outside of that, I don't really feel like they fixed too much. I really just think they kind of added problems on problems on problems. Like I said, I don't think that Steppenwolf is still an interesting villain. I think he's just shinier. I think that his, you know, his armor moves... <laughs> And that's the only real difference. I don't feel like he truly has like a better reasoning for what he's doing because the reasonings are kind of both the same. If it was, you know, in the first movie, he went to conquer earth and he failed. And so he was kind of, you know, in exile because he failed. And then he was going back because the mother boxes were like, Hey, no, you should come back now. So that's, you know, that was his motivation. And then, and in this one, he apparently betrayed dark side, which is not explained at all but he betrayed Darkseid at one point and his retribution has to conquer 
as an absurd amount of worlds. And that's what he's trying to do. And then they introduce the whole that the anti-life equation is written on earth, which I'm not going to lie is just on some fucking dumb bullshit. Why would the anti-life equation be written on earth? And why do you have to find it by hitting an ax into the ground? That's a weird way to find something, but they both do it. And they're like, Oh my God, it's there. And so apparently dark side had forgotten that earth was the planet that had beat him before. Like that was the other dumb thing. Everybody's like, Oh, this is so cohesive. Dark side forgot that the one earth or the one planet that beat him was earth. Come on guys. That is by definition, not cohesive because like I said, this movie can't even remember the fucking lines of the script that it has for itself. I've got more shit to say, but I'm going to wait because I've gone for a little while. Um, I guess I'll, we'll, we'll let you go, Kurt. What are your you know spoilery thoughts about this movie? Well, there was there was one thing in particular that I was really, really looking forward to that I did not see in this movie, and that was a dark side battle. I was really looking forward to that. Um, I thought they were going to build up to it and just have it right at the end and just have it just be this epic ending. Just, you know, boom, here's your Snyder Cut. This is how I'm going to end it. Bam. How long but, did you want this movie to be, Kurt? 27 hours? <laughs> Jeez. Well, no, I mean, but I mean, you could have you could have fit that into four hours. Like you could have just completely taken Steppenwolf out of it and had just well, had it. If they had gotten rid of all the slow-mo, sure. I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. There was a lot of that in there. Um, but I want to I want to touch on uh, Ray Fisher's performance. I think Ray Fisher's performance in here was awesome. Um, I, I liked yeah, how they good. touched more on his origin story. Um, and what you were saying, Sterling, about not having the Flash's origin story in here, I think they didn't have it in there because people – well, I'm not going to speak for everybody, but a lot of people are very familiar with that. They're just as familiar with this as the Flash's origin story as they are with Spider-Man's origin story or Batman's origin story. So seeing seeing a superhero in this that nobody really is not so many people are familiar with other than seeing him in like Teen Titans or whatever. Um, I liked how they just touched on that a little bit and included his mom. I thought it was weird, though, that uh him being in a car accident made him lose an entire arm. Uh, I, I was, I kind of had to raise an eyebrow on that one. Um, but, uh, let's see what else. <laughs> I here. thought it made him lose half his goddamn body. Yeah. You know, they, yeah, they, kinda, wasn't they, that... had, they had to have skipped something like that because from what I've seen is that he, uh, in, in one of like the animated justice league movies, how this whole accident starts is, after one of Victor's football games, he comes and sees his father and is like, dad, why the hell were you not at my football game? I waited for you. You never at my football games. And he sees him working on this mother box. And he's like, this is why you missed my football game. It's always this. Why is it always this? And he loses his shit and he just starts tearing shit up and doing that. A reaction occurs where it's just this, just this like a recoil and just, you know, he get he gets hit with all this alien technology and it just gets absorbed into his body and um, they have to they have to try to save him. And what they do to save him is they put him in like it's like a like a pod almost. And with all this other technology going into him, the the mother box like forms, takes the pod and forms it around him, giving him that armor that he has huh 
So I think I feel like they did miss. I feel like they they skipped a lot in that origin story. Um, but uh, let's see. Um, I you know I can't think of anything else off the top of my head. I know I'm going to have something later, but that was one thing that I that really stuck out to me the most. And not having a dark side battle. Um, also, they didn't they didn't really show his dark sides like um, what the hell is it called his. Uh, the, the laser beam, the the Omega beam or whatever the hell it is. Yeah, I think that's what Omega it's called. Beam. Yes, they didn't. I, I was looking forward to seeing that shit, man. I didn't see none of that. I mean, you saw it for like 0. 0.2 seconds. Yeah, it was about the say, they, they did that in the, the scene where uh, Cyborg sees into the future and sees Aquaman being killed. Yes. Um, yeah, very briefly. Man, I... I can't believe I don't know. I can't think of anything else for this movie being four hours long. Like, uh, actually, you know what? I don't know how you guys feel about Ezra Miller as the Flash, but I I could care less for it. I think he's, I don't know, he's just too awkward. He's too awkward. He's a little too, he's got a little too much comic relief for being in the Flash, I think. Mm. Yeah, but in a a lot of things, Flash is the comic relief, though. I, I guess. I guess, but I, I mean, that's just something I didn't care for. I mean, I, maybe because I've watched too much of the CW's Flash and the CW's Flash is nowhere near close to being what Ezra Miller is. I don't know. I could I could be biased about that, probably. But I just I just don't I just don't care for Ezra Miller's performance as the Flash. I really don't. But that could speak to, I mean, Sterling saying, like, I think it was Sterling that said, like, the tone, maybe it was Jason about the tone of it is very, very different. Um, and maybe it's like, because it's the Snyder cut and it's a little bit darker or whatever, it doesn't fit in as well as it did probably in the Joss Whedon version, of course, speaking from someone who hasn't seen it, but maybe that's why it felt a little bit more off, but I don't know. Let's see. I, I, I can't think of anything else at the moment. Um, I'm sure I'll have something come up as, you know, the longer we talk about this, but, uh, but no, I've got, I've got nothing else right now. All right, Heather, what about you? Um, and it's interesting because I actually, I don't really in general want to promote Ezra Miller himself because I'm not, you know, super into him as a as a person outside of this. But I do actually, I actually liked the Flash's character in this. And I actually did like, um, I actually, I liked a lot of the scenes they did. Like the, the slow-mo scenes, you were right. There's so many of them for both him and for Wonder Woman. And they didn't have to be every scene. I actually wish that they would have shown a little bit more of like him flash actually like seeing it happen fast so that you could see like, man, he's fast. Look at that. You know, they didn't really show that. They just showed what he's doing in slow motion or what's happening when we're seeing it at lightning speed. And it was cool, especially like that first scene when he's saving the girl from the car. Um, I actually really liked that scene. I thought that was really cool. And the one when he's, slow-mo um getting wonder woman's sword back to her i thought those were really cool scenes and i really like how they did them and i really liked um i actually think he did a good job with his performance of the flash like i think he had it felt like he had a lot of character development in it like just you kind of see a little bit of you know like his motive and just like his backstory at least as far as with his family and everything and it's actually funny that you say that everybody knows the Flash's origin story, because I'm not going to lie, I don't. <laughs> I have no idea what his origin story is, to be honest. 
So, um, so I didn't know it, but at the same time, I feel like everybody got a decently fair balance of knowing what's going on in their own personal lives. But you're right. They didn't do like a, this is how I became the flash or whatever, you know, like they did with cyborg. Um, but I just really liked those scenes that they did with his slow motion stuff that he did. And, um, I really did also like Ray Fisher, um, as cyborg. I think that he was, um, I mean, probably as far as consistency with like acting performances in this one, I feel like probably Cyborg and Jason Momoa were the most consistent in like tone and like performance throughout, which is interesting to say because I, I and you know what? I do actually, Sterling, you've been saying this for a long time. I really do like Ben Affleck as Batman. I think he does a good job. I think he's a good Batman. I just, Ben Affleck in general is very, he's good at being that brooding, wounded person you know, but I just think he does a really good Batman. I, I see it. And a Bruce Wayne. He does a good Bruce Wayne, too. So I had no issues with him as Batman. I think that it felt like he got a little bit um, less, like, I don't know. I feel like he, he didn't have as much of the action scenes and as much of that type of stuff in this movie than everybody else did. But maybe it's because it's established and it's known who he is and what he does. I don't know if that's what it was, but I just feel like... As far as action scenes and stuff like that, you didn't see as much of it from him as you did a lot of the other characters. But performance-wise, you know, of course, I thought he was he did a good job. Um, Gal Gadot, I think she's a great Wonder Woman. Um, I don't think this was her best performance as Wonder Woman. I think she had a lot of really cheesy dialogue or just dialogue that didn't... I don't know. It felt very forced, a lot of, like, how she was trying to say things or whatever... And again, you know, this was before she was Wonder Woman with her backstory and before those movies were established and probably before she was more established in, you know, her art form. But either way, I feel like she this was not her best performance of Wonder Woman in this movie. Um, but yeah, I mean, Jason Momoa, I think, actually did a good job. I think he was very um, just very consistent with his character in this one. And but yeah, Cyborg, I just think that he, um, I, I do like his backstory. I like what they did with him. I like just kind of how he, like just the important role that he had in this movie and The Flash. I think both of them, you know, being the ones that are probably a little bit more or a little bit lesser known than the others at this point, just having the, that time to shine and that time of being like, this is why our role is important and what our abilities are are so important. So I thought that was um, that was pretty cool, I thought. But I don't know. I just feel like, um, oh, and also Henry Cavill. He's, um, you know, he did a, like, I, I actually think that the scene when they brought him back to life and he's fighting them, I actually think that might have been one of my favorite scenes of the movie. And I think it's just because um, Henry Cavill does a good job being like that, the Superman character and just that, like, completely on the defensive because he doesn't realize who he is or know who he is. So I think that they, they just did a good job in showing him being like hostile because he's like, what's happening, you know? And um, even the scene when like the flash is trying to, you know, get past him and thinks he's going to, but then he ends up seeing him just that whole thing and how they did everything from 
you know, reviving him until he like flies off with Lois. I think that whole scene was really great. So I liked that a lot. Um, I, the last scene, I agree. I don't think, what is it? Steppenwolf? Is that the, the villain? I, I, you know what? He was kind of like a non-factor, not really, but kind of, you know, like he wasn't special really in any sort of way. And then you find out he's not really the main, main villain. He's just kind of like a laggy for the, <laughs> the main guy. And you're right. They didn't do like a fight with him. And you feel like that's what, where it was going to go. And it just kind of sucks knowing that they're not going to be making another movie to see that fight scene happen. So that kind of sucks. But um, I think I liked the whole, again, I'm a big fan of movies where the superheroes all team up together and they, you know, their teamwork helps destroy them. And I did like some of the stuff they did as like a team to defeat um, Steppenwolf. But, and even that scene when Wonder Woman, even though her, five minutes of her sword going down on the guy's uh, head was like crazy. But I think that that was a cool way to do it where, you know, she cuts the head off, pushes him back into that little portal. I thought that was kind of a cool way to, to be like, you're done, you know? So I, I think that for the most part, the, the scenes where they're teaming up together to defeat the bad guy was kind of cool. But again, you know, I, that's not for everybody. I mean, like, you know, Sterling, you thought it was boring and that's fine. It's not the most epic fight scenes I've ever seen. But again, I kind of feel like the DC major fight scenes in general aren't usually that epic, in my opinion, like the one at the end of Wonder Woman and stuff like that, where you're just like, it's a thing and it's fine, but it's never really the best. Like when you think of epic fight scenes, that's not going to be on your list. But I did enjoy some of what they did with it. So, um, but yeah, I mean, again, really, my biggest complaint is the fact that it's four hours long <laughs> and just the very uneven acting from most people in this when I know that they're better than that. I've seen them do better than that. So that's pretty much my biggest complaint about the movie. But, you know, maybe if I was a little bit more invested in these characters, I would have a little bit more of either a yes, this was amazing, or this was the worst. <laughs> but I think just because I'm kind of right in the middle with take it or leave it in general, I'm just kind of like, sure, I wasn't completely disappointed. But it wasn't something that made me be like, okay, I'm now like a huge DC movie fan. You know, it was just really kind of very, this is okay, it's good action. And it's good people in the movies. And that's all I got, you know, but it just, it is a little bit disappointing to know that we're not going to be getting, you know, another one after this to see that epic, you know, fight with Darkseid. So, Justin, what about you? Cool. So, everybody made some uh, interesting points and things like that. I guess I'll just start with uh, the things that stood out to me as likes, and then I'll kind of go into some of the things that I didn't like. And I mean, this is four hours long. So, there's quite a few content, but I'll try to simplify as best I can. But um, but but just to start off with the movie and things like that, like I do think that for a lot of the fight scenes in this, especially just some of the scenes where you kind of had individuals fighting, like, for instance, like when I think about the weed and cut and the Wonder Woman bank robbery scene 
And then what Zack Snyder did with that same scene in this, I just thought that that his version of that bank robbery scene with Wonder Woman was just way more, I just thought it was way more badass. I thought it was just a little bit better than what Whedon did with it. Like, I, I liked how... Um, in the in the weed and cut, it's kind of hard to just explain it without explaining the weed and cut. So, like, just a couple of notes from it in the in the weed and cut. Like, whenever Wonder Woman, you know, after she catches all the bullets with her gauntlets and everything like that, deflects those off and everything. The 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 guy pointing the gun is like, uh, you know, he says something to the effect of, "I don't believe it. Uh, who are you?" And then she goes, "I'm a believer." And then she hits her gauntlets together. Um, the the scene fades to white, and that's it. That that's pretty much it. And then we're on to the next scene. So it's assumed that okay, she saved the people. It's assumed okay, that's what happened, and she saved people. And we're on to the next scene. Cool. But I just felt like like the the whole reason why Zack Snyder did this is because he had a passion for this. You know, he's a fan of these characters. He just sees them a a, a different way than I think uh, another filmmaker like Whedon would see them. And so he just, I think he took better care of the characters because when you watch that scene in the Snyder cut, I mean, first of all, when she um when she first comes in, there's a little more extra footage of her beating guys up and the timer is counted down. It just felt a little more dire, like the timer's counted down. She comes in, she beats up these guys real quick, and he's doing this slow motion stop, start, it's fast, it's slow, it's fast, it's slow. I didn't really have a problem with that. I thought it was kind of, I thought the extra scenes he added to that were kind of neat. You know, you didn't really get to see it uh, much of that in the weed and cut. It just kind of she comes in, she grabs the briefcase, the bomb briefcase, tosses it up, uh, you know, tosses it up. It blows up. She comes back down. She deflects the bullets. And that's the scene. Well, in this, I, I, I liked it better how she broke in there beat up a couple of guys. So you got to see some cool movement from her there. Then whenever she grabs the bomb briefcase, you know, she jumps through the roof. She jumps up and there's like this slow motion of her throwing it up. And then there was this extra shot where it's just her kind of gliding in the air. And you can see like how far above her the briefcase was. And then it explodes and the blast propels her back down and then the and the whole time he's playing like the wonder woman music and stuff and i'm not gonna lie after coming off of wonder woman 84 it was nice to see badass wonder woman again i mean after that movie and what was going on there it it was just kind of nice to see her like doing awesomeness and i so i appreciated all of those extra scenes and then at the end of that scene, and I'm mad that they cut this out of the weeding, but like, so the same thing kind of happens, except for the the dialogue to me is not as corny. When the guy looks at her in the Snyder Cut and goes, I, I don't believe it, she's just like, believe it. And then she does the um, the gauntlet blast thing, 
And then you see a part of the building blow up. And then the cops outside are like, oh, crap, did it blow up? You know, they're, they're not sure. But then we go back in and we see that she did it in a way to where everybody's still safe. And there's this one little girl and, you know, uh, Diana goes to her, says, are you OK? And she's like, can I be you someday? And then Diana goes, you can be whatever you want to be. And I was like, man, dude. Why did they cut that? That was cool. Like, I liked how she interacted with the little girl. I thought that that was cool. That's like exactly what Wonder Woman stands for. That's what she's supposed to be. That's what she's supposed to be for little girls and females and stuff like that. That's that's who the character is. So I just, you know, I was just, I, I, I'm just upset that Whedon didn't think that that scene was necessary because I thought that that was very cool. So right away when I saw that scene, I was like, man, I, I, I like this better. And then there were just other things he did with other characters, like back to that scene that y'all were talking about with Bruce Wayne and Aquaman. One of the coolest things I, about that scene though, is that in the, in the weed and cut, you know, him and Batman have that interaction and he's just like, you know, not going to do it, Bruce, or something. He says, oh, dress up as a bat, huh? Or he kind of quips him or whatever. And then he just kind of goes into the sea and Batman is standing there. And that's the scene. Well, in this one, I thought was kind of cool. So when Batman first encounters him, you know, Batman tells that story about how he's been go go going under the sea and he's grabbing fish for these people and feeding them and stuff like that. So what I thought was neat you know, was that when in this scene, in the Snyder Cut, whenever um, Aquaman goes into the water, those people, those village people start singing and it's like they're praising him. It's like he's this, you know, and you can tell that he meant something to those people, like he's this god from the sea. And when you think about the story Batman told and what the villagers were doing, it made sense because, of course, they would see him as this god that comes from the sea and gives gives this fish to them and helps them survive. So, yeah, you know, I could see them kind of looking at him as kind of like this. And it kind of foreshadowed the royalty of him, right? Because in the later movies, that's kind of that arc. He becomes this this king of Atlantis. He becomes this royal. So I think that kind of foreshadowed that in a way. And I thought that was cool. Did that scene necessarily need to be in the weed and cut? Maybe not. But I think that that is just another sign of attention to detail and care for characters that Zack Snyder had. And really, that's the difference. It's just, in to me, when I watched this, I just saw more care with the characters. And that leads me to the the scene about Cyborg. And yeah, what you said about Ray Fisher as Cyborg, yeah, Heather, I agree. And definitely I agree, Kurt. Like, it was very nice to see him get a real origin story and for you to understand his motivations and stuff like that. In the weed and cut, he's just half the time, he's just in a corner brooding and he's mad at his dad, and we understand that his dad did this to him to save him, but not enough. But but getting the but but telling me, and I say this all the damn time, and this movie is kind of defined by this. Show me, don't tell me. 
And that's kind of the difference, right? Like when I look at the two versions, Zack Snyder took four hours to show you as much as he could about some of these characters and tried to make this story kind of come together because really the story is about redemption and every single character is tied to some sort of redemption that they're trying to seek, including Stephen Wolf, which was added to this narrative. And so I just like how that story of redemption kind of comes together for every character, you know, in, in this, in some sort of way. But to me, that's really the difference between this and the the Snyder Cut. He took the time to do all of that. Also, because they cut so much of Cyborg's story, and this has been a, a hot button topic that people have been talking about, is that in the Whedon Cut, because you cut so much of Cyborg's story, a lot of actors of color just didn't really make it into this. You know, his mother didn't make it into the weed and cut. Um, Cyborg's mom, uh, the, 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 the comic book fans will know him as Adam, but Ryan Choi, uh, who was played by Ryan Zing in this, he didn't make it to the weed and cut. So none of that stuff you really got to see. Uh, the, the stuff with Cyborg and his father, though his father was in the film, you know, in this, he was a much more integral part because of his relationship with Cyborg. So you got all these actors and actresses of color who just kind of got their stuff cut. And it kind of has you looking at that weed inversion and kind of wondering, like, how was that decision made? I wonder how we arrived to his story didn't matter as much when in this version, man, I mean, Cyborg was so important to this story. He was really like yeah. a central piece of this. So now I'm looking back at that weed and cut going, hmm, now that looks even more suspicious to me because by cutting that story, you cut a lot of actors of color. So <laughs> you know, so now I'm just, I, I, you know, so then, it, you know, I'm sitting here watching this and I'm like, well, you know, at first I was kind of like the weed and cut sucked. But man, the more I was watching and the more I'm thinking about what Ray Fisher was saying, now I'm almost close to like, fuck the weed and cut. Like, you know, it was giving me those kinds of feelings watching this because I'm like, man, you cut so many of those actors and so many of those actresses out. Uh, and I really kind of think now looking at this, that was kind of bullshit, man. The fact that he did that to Ray Fisher and those actors and actresses, but it's okay because now we have this, you know, Zack Snyder redeemed those characters and those actors and that, that did those scenes. And this redeems Ray Fisher for me. The guy can go. He's a good actor. And it makes you go, damn, dude, like, just imagine what a solo film with Cyborg. He could have done it. Or he could have been, like, in a, like, if you did, like, a Flash and Cyborg, or you did a some, some movie where Cyborg was also in it, too. You did a two-character movie or something. He could have totally cool. carried. Yeah, he could have totally carried his own. He could have been a central character or one of the central characters. He was that good in this. So yeah, man, I'm looking back at that weed and cut and like kind of giving it the middle finger right now. Uh, and also just uh, again with the care for characters and stuff. That's also what I loved about that ending fight in the weed and cut. 
yeah, everybody had kind of something to do, but I felt like Zack Snyder just did a much better job in this of making everybody's role in that final fight so significant. Everybody kind of had something very important to do. You know, you needed Cyborg to be able to get in there and be able to um, hack the mother boxes, so to speak, to be able to try to break them apart. Uh, But Flash's role, I just think it was much better in this. Him having to finally do that, do that, uh, that, that reverse time rewind run that he had to do to stop Darkseid from coming, I thought that that was a great addition. That made his role in that final fight yeah. um, a, a little more significant than the weed and cut. In the weed and cut, it, that none of that happens, you know. And then the way, and you alluded to it, Heather, no. but man, but man, I got to talk about how badass that final scene was. In that final scene, where where Stephen Wolf gets three hit comboed by. Superman and Aquaman <laughs> and stabbed by Aquaman and then Wonder Woman cuts his head off. Dude, that was way more badass than the Whedon version. In the Whedon version, I mean, it's some bitch shit, dude. Like, in the Whedon version, he's, you know, he can't beat Superman or something. And then they're like, you know, what's going on with him? And then they're like, well, he's 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 afraid of them because, you know, he was fearing because Superman was, he was getting deboed. So the, so the, uh, the parademons, uh, because they feed on fear, um, you know, they, they sensed Stefan was fear and all those parademons who couldn't even beat Batman earlier in the movie now are all eating him up and they eat him alive or whatever. And honestly, that was some bitch shit compared to this version, man. This was tight, man. <laughs> Seeing the Justice League combo fatality, his ass back to, you know, back to dark side, <laughs> like trash, dude. Come on, dude. Like, I mean, that was so tight. I was, I, 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 I popped on that big time. Uh, I guess people don't know what, I don't know if people know what popped means, but it's kind of a wrestling term for when you like something or you get excited or whatever. So yeah, I popped big time for <laughs> that scene. And I think that's really just the the difference of this. I just liked how the characters were utilized better. And then, and even though I did like some things about the weed inversion, it didn't necessarily mean I didn't like what he did here. Uh, Sterling talked about it, and, and we did talk about the weed inversion with um, the the fight with the uh, with uh, Superman revival, and then him going up against the Justice League. I did like how in the weed inversion um, that Batman's contingency plan was to bring out Lois Lane. I did like that because that is definitely something Batman would do, but. I didn't necessarily hate what they did in the Snyder version too, where they kind of just got lucky. You know, Lois just uh, was there because what we found out about Lois, and this is why I didn't mind it, because what we found out about Lois is that, you know, in the weed and cut, we got the sense that she wasn't working at the Daily Planet. But in this she not only wasn't working at the Daily Planet, we got to see her and this kind of depression that she fell into. And she was visiting 
the Superman memorial. She was going there. You know, that's what it was. She that's why her and that cop had that kind of thing like, oh, Miss Lane, you're here today or whatever. That was just her way of coping, man. She was going to that Superman memorial uh, every morning and just standing there reflecting on Clark and thinking about him and stuff like that. So that set up her being there. She was there because she was always there. So even though, yes, the Justice League kind of got lucky there with Superman, I didn't mind it because it gave Lois a little bit more. And that's what this movie does. It just gives these characters a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Now, to the uh, to the dislikes, uh, sometimes more is not always better. And I do agree with uh, what some of you guys were saying about the stuff with the Martian Manhunter. I personally would not have let him be Martha Kent. I liked that scene better as just Martha and Lois. I think Martha Kent is the kind of character that would go visit Lois and would go say, hey, you know, you're the only other person that really grieves for for him like I do. You really understood him. You really knew him and loved him. Martha Kent would go there anyway. That's just who Martha Kent is. That's what Martha Kent would do. I don't think that that needed to be the Martian Manhunter. And then I was had the same thoughts as Sterling. The whole time they're fighting Steppenwolf and all this is happening, I'm just like, well, where the hell is the Martian Manhunter? You know, because you showed me to him, you showed him to me, and now I know he's here. Well, why didn't he help? You know what I mean? So I would have nixed that scene and just let that bend Martha Kent and Lois Lane. Now, I didn't mind Martian Manhunter showing up at the end. And there could have been a better, I think that could have been a better way to do that. If you didn't have him at the beginning and he shows up there at the end and he's like, hey, you know, I felt, you know, Darkseid's presence. I know that he almost got to this. I know that he almost got here. I know that, you know, I also felt the, the presence of the mother boxes from wherever I was whenever Superman died and all that kind of stuff. It awakened something in me. And I came and I may have been too late for the battle, but, you know, I have gathered that, you know, this won't be the last time you'll see Darkseid and you will need me. That that conversation could have played the same. And then that way you don't have a bunch of people sitting there going, well, why the hell isn't Darkseid? I mean, Darkseid. Why the hell isn't Martian Manhunter helping him? So if you nix that scene with Martha and Lois with him, and then you just have him show up at the end, I think it plays out better. So even though it was fan service, I do agree. It didn't need to be in the movie. I I, I don't think you needed that scene. And I think it did hurt uh, um, uh, other characters in this. Yeah, it's less um, meaningful that it wasn't actually Martha Kent, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think that, so yeah, that actually hurt that scene in order to give us fan service. So yeah, I, I totally um, agree with that. Uh, as far as the final scene and everything like that, and I get that right now there are no current plans and all there are is rumor mills and hashtags of bring back the Snyderverse and stuff like that. But you also got to put yourself in the shoes of Zack Snyder when you're watching these scenes. I think that a lot of this was this man going, I mean, you got to think about what this man went through 
and how they said they didn't want his movie. And then he shot all of this. He put a lot of time into this. And then all that happened, he had to step away. And then Whedon comes in and just kind of chops and screws it, you know, and then kind of like does all of this different stuff to it. So, I mean, I imagine that some of this for Zack Snyder is his ego and just him going, look, guys, look how much cooler it would have been. Look how look at look what I was building to. Like, look how good this would have been, man, if I would have still been involved. Look what Warner Brothers messed up. I think some of this is him going, see, this is what I was building to. You know, I, I came back to that because in Batman versus Superman, Batman had one of these kind of injustice post-apocalyptic dreams where Superman is the bad guy and he gets captured and, you know, Superman's coming down that hallway to kill him or whatever. Well, in this, this was just that last scene with Joker and all that was just an extension of that. And I think it's really just Zack Snyder's way of saying, see, if I had, if you, if I had the, the ship, if I had the wheel, look at these things that I was building to. Look at these things that I would have had in here. You know, look at what I could do with this cast and with these characters and stuff like that. And I think that if you're ever anyone out there who's ever been in a situation where, you know, something bad happens and you feel like it really wasn't your fault and you're trying to explain yourself and you and you really and even though that explanation may not change the fact that this bad thing happened, but at least you got your side out there. You know how that is, you know, for some people. I think that's what Zack Snyder was doing here, man. At least you got to hear my side. At least you got to understand what I was going for. At least you got to understand that I had a vision. I had a real direction for these characters I cared more. I put more into these characters' stories and everything. And at least you got to see my side of it. You didn't get to see that with the weed and cut, but now you get my side of the story and do with that what you will. So I think some of it is that too. So even though I am in a way disappointed with that, like, man, I, I, we're not, we may not see any of these things play out. I understand, man. I understand. Sometimes you got to get your side out, man. Sometimes you got to get your story out. Sometimes it doesn't matter how far along we are, past, present, or future. You, you just want to get your side of the story out, man. And so I'm glad Zack Snyder got his side, man. I'm glad he got his side, man. I feel you, Zack. I feel you. And I do also think that this version of The Joker by Jared Leto was a better one than the one in yeah. the Suicide Squad. I will say oh, that much yeah. for it. That's all I yeah. can say about it, but that I think that it was more fitting of, I don't know, I guess like the Joker Batman that I appreciate based on the versions of it that I've seen. I just feel like this one was a better version of that. Well, Justin, a couple of things that you made me think about, and I'm so glad you brought up that Wonder Woman scene from the beginning of the movie. Well, most of it really is the same as the Whedon version. A lot of it really is the same. Her beating up those guys, all of that's still the same. One of the big changes is that they murder a bunch of people before they come there. But one problem I have with the Zack Snyder cut of it is whenever she does the armband thing and does the explosion, she killed at least 27 cops when she did that, dude. All the rubble and glass and metal that, that flew down onto the cops, she killed at least 27 cops. 
because she didn't want to what run over there and punch him. She was moving fast enough to stop 30 bullets, but she can't run <laughs> over there fast enough while he's reloading. Get the True. fuck out of here. <laughs> she killed police officers just to make a statement kill of that terrorist. That Roos Bolton, if you will, because it was Roos Bolton. But still, that was completely unnecessary and completely dumb, in my opinion. Like I said, the whole explosion thing is why. Why did she want to fake out the cops to make them think, oh, shit, the bomb went off? Like, that's dumb. That's just completely irresponsible, Wonder Woman. Like, what if he had bombs strapped to him and didn't in doing so? It caused blowback and then killed all the kids anyway. She didn't know. She was just being insanely irresponsible to defeat the villain that way. I just don't understand why she would even do that. But then, I'm going to have to disagree. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to disagree with that because with the explosion from her armbands, that ex that expelled forward, not in all directions. It was only forward. So the, realistically, the only person she should have probably did kill was the guy reloading the gun. Yeah, but if he had bombs, it could have exploded the other way. That's my point. What if he was strapped with a suicide vest? Then we, we would have seen it. Maybe. It could be under a shirt. We don't know. I'm just saying there are all these possibilities. And all she did was explode it <laughs> outwards, which also could have caused structural damage to the building and caused it to collapse onto these kids anyway. That's not <laughs> smart either way. Like I said, and then she killed an entire SWAT team. They are all just murdered and mangled with glass and brick in their face. Jeez. <laughs> I'm just well, saying. I'm going to give Wonder Woman a little more credit than that. I think that she's been training enough with this, with that power and stuff like that. She can control her powers. She so didn't control I just the think falling on the cops, though, Justin. But that, but none of that. But you though. saw it. You <laughs> saw it, though. They covered up. They bricks fell and nobody died. So we didn't see nobody got hurt, man. And man, that was the point. Like she that's the she can control her abilities. It. These are superheroes. That's so we got to give them Jasmine. the benefit of the doubt. No, that's all convenience. There was nothing but glass and shrapnel landing on these cops. Someone got hurt. But I know I know in the movie they didn't. But come on, if you're really looking at that scene. Someone got hurt from it. And I'm not talking about the terrorist. Just does she can she control that blast so well that she can aim brick shrapnel to just land on cars? No, it went all willy nilly all over those fucking police officers. But it doesn't <laughs> fit the script to then go, well, Wonder Woman murdered 27 cops at the same time. So they didn't put that in there. But it's still just a dumb thing to have in the scene to have it explode out like that. It still makes no sense to have all that brick and metal and glass rain down upon innocent police officers in London. It, it's still just as much a terrorist act as what those people were trying to do. It still makes nah, no I disagree. Sense. She's better than that. She can control She can't control shrapnel, Gaston. <laughs> <laughs> that is not in any of Wonder Woman's powers. Well, apparently she did because I didn't see anybody die. So apparently she did. Yeah, so because she Zack did Snyder it with just enough force. <laughs> <laughs> because ultimately it was actually styrofoam that fell because of movie magic. <laughs> That's why nobody was hurt. It's because styrofoam <laughs> fell on them. All right. But I mean, and I do agree with you some, Justin, about like, say, like all the all the people of color that were cut out of this movie. I do agree with that. And it's something we talked about in our episode where Ray Fisher was underutilized. And I think a lot of this movie does showcase that. But 
I still don't think his origin should have been in this. They could have utilized him more in other ways. His whole origin should have been in this. Why? Because if you're going to do that, it needs to be in its own fucking movie. And I know Kurt was talking earlier about how the Flash's origin is well known. And Heather was like, well, I don't know it. And that that's the hit or miss aspect of that. But at the same time, don't tell me that Zack Snyder has a problem showing us origins that everybody knows. He showed us Superman's origin for the 20 billionth time when he did Man of Steel. <laughs> he showed us Batman's goddamn origin story in Batman versus Superman in the in the opening monologue, which everybody in the history of Earth knows. People that died <laughs> 17 or like thousand years ago know the origin of Batman because it's that fucking played out. So it's not that he didn't put it in there because, oh, well, people know it. No, everybody fucking knows it. And that didn't stop him before. He puts everybody else's fucking origins and things. It's just, honestly, my best bet is, at the time why Joss Whedon cut a lot of that stuff out is because Cyborg was supposed to get a movie. So it makes sense to not put his origin in Justice League mm. because he's going to get an origin. He's going to get a solo movie. That sense fell through because, you know, Warner Brothers is all mad at him which I don't think is justified. I think Cyborg should get a solo movie. Absolutely. Yeah, what was the what was the situation there? I forget what it was. Uh, Ray Fisher accused Joss Whedon of being an abusive asshole on set. And oh, a lot of people okay. went, yep. And he also accused that of Jeff Johns, too, and that hadn't stopped you know anybody from putting Jeff Johns in a lot of the writing stuff, i.e. Uh, Wonder Woman 1984. But, um, but I do agree. There were a lot of the ancillary characters, like... There was a lot of the scenes that weren't origin story stuff with Cyborg that were in Zack Snyder's cut that made sense to be in there. That it was just dumb to cut out of in the in the the Joss Whedon version. So I do agree with you on that, Justin. It's just a lot of the origin stuff that could have been left out because it should be in its own movie. When do you not do that? You don't do character backstories like that in this movie. It'd be like if they threw in the origin of Hawkeye into Avengers because that was the first time he's really in a movie outside of that little bit he was in Thor. It would make no sense to give us Hawkeye's origin in the middle of Avengers. Hmm. I think a lot of that has to do with the way DC handled this because DC wanted that shared universe so damn fast that in a lot of ways they forced Zack Snyder to bog down this movie with some of that bullshit. Agreed. That I don't think was necessary. I mean, hmm. and and I, but I do agree with you, Justin, with the whole Martian Manhunter. If he just showed up at the end and was like, "Hey, I realized what was going on too late, but just so you know, Darkseid's still on his way," I totally accept Martian Man Manhunter being in this movie. I just don't accept him technically taking part of the plan, and somehow he knows the plan, right? He's that around was the no thing one. too. You know, he knows all the yeah. shit. He's able to, I mean, I know the character can like read minds and do all the shit, but anyway, like it made no sense to jump in for a little bit just to come in. Like I said, to come in at the end, it was kind of like some little finger shit from Game of Thrones. Like he's like, well, the humans won. So now I'll be on their side. Come on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one thing that also you guys haven't brought up that I actually think was a positive in this is when Superman showed up to fight Steppenwolf, I think was better in this movie than it was in the other one. His suit was awesome. It was. Oh, yeah. It was really cool. I'm I'm all about the black and silver resurrection suit. I'm all about that. Yeah. I, I that hated cool. that he was still wearing it after, you know, when he's like walking around as Clark Kent and had that suit on under him. Why? No, you go back <laughs> to the Superman suit. But 
I liked the way he showed up in this movie because in the Joss Whedon version, it is really kind of dumb when he shows up and he's like, because Steppenwolf says something about the truth. And then he's like, I'm a fan of the truth, but you know what else? I'm a fan of justice. And then oh, starts yeah. fighting. <laughs> oh, that, that, that is fucking yeah, awful. Yep. Yeah, yep. I meant to mention that too, because I love the way that he, like, it was right when he was about to get to Cyborg and he was like, nope. And I thought it was really cool how he came in. Yeah. Well, yeah, I like how he just took the axe and went not impressed. I thought that that was really badass. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I will say this. I liked the separation of the mother boxes better in the Joss Whedon version because I, it had a really good joke. I think that was the best joke of all of the Joss Whedon cut. We lost. I kind of think it's... What was it, it? So what happens in the, the Joss Whedon cut is whenever they separate the mother boxes, there's none of that shit at the Flash going back in time. None of that. Cyborg just starts separating the boxes and then calls for Superman. Superman goes over there. And he's like, all right, help me separate the boxes. And then he's like, well, there's going to be a big bang, but I think we should be able to take it. And Superman goes, well, I hope so, because, you know, I kind of don't want to die again. And then this big explosion <laughs> happens when everything happens. And then the first thing Superman says, because he's lying on the ground, is, nope, I wish I was dead. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, him and Cyborg kind of start laughing together and all this other stuff. I thought that that is an amazing scene. And I kind of hate how they separate the mother boxes here. And it is the most anticlimactic thing in the history of ever. A fucking solo, like, clapping at a golf event is more climactic than when they separate the mother boxes in this fucking movie. They just separate them and they fall like tin cans to the side. That's so fucking, like, lame. Like, just give me something. Even if you don't give me, just give, throw some fucking lights in there. Make a big boom noise. Come on. Give me something. <laughs> I mean, my cat scratching at the wall right now was louder than that fucking noise was when they separated the mother boxes. The things that can destroy <laughs> or rebuild worlds and all this shit. And they just fall apart like fucking Legos. Come on. Although I do have a question about like, so the epilogue when he's having that like big dream sequence and the Joker's in it and mm -hmm. Mira and all those other people are in it. So what is... Okay, is that actually supposed to be a premonition or is that because I mean, I know that that other dream or whatever happened in Batman versus Superman, but I'll be honest, I don't quite remember like if it was a legit like premonition or if it was just, you know, I just I'm not sure if well, they're trying to say like this is going to be what happens, you know. All right. If you guys want to get into that, I can because I know a lot about it. Um, it is technically let's just say what if if Zack Snyder gets to do a Justice League 2 and 3. This would be spoilers for those movies unless he changes stuff. Okay? Just so everybody knows. Yeah. This is potential spoilers for a crazy what if of a Justice League 2 and 3. Do you think it would be okay. Justice League 2 or Justice League 3? This would be 2, technically. I, I disagree. I think this would be 3. Because... Oh, well, I'm basing it off what Zack Snyder said. Okay, all right. So, um... It it could fall into three two, but the whole premise is essentially that with Justice League two, here let me hit this because why not? Spoilers. So with Justice League two, <laughs> the whole idea is that Darkseid shows up, kills Aquaman, kills Wonder Woman, and kills a pregnant Lois Lane, which causes Superman to go crazy and team up with Darkseid to help take over the world. Which I'm not gonna lie, is very dumb. 
Because why would Superman team up with the guy that murdered his wife? But whatevs. Right. Um, and so then you get into what the, 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 the scenes from Batman versus Superman, and you get into the scenes from the epilogue in this, of this ragtag group of heroes trying to beat Darkseid and Superman. So ultimately what that leads to is the Flash goes back in time to warn people, you know, like we saw in Batman versus Superman. And mm -hmm. ultimately Batman realizes what he was actually saying. And this is what the Joker was alluding to in this. When, when he was talking about letting somebody die, he was talking about Lois. And so what happens in this, in the, how Batman is, doesn't have the courage to actually die instead. That's all referencing Lois because finally through the boom tubes and, you know, the flash going back and stuff, Batman sacrifices himself instead. So he dies instead of Lois. So then everybody rallies behind that and beats Darkseid. Hmm. And so okay. that's where also the whole baby aspect comes into it. Originally, it was going to be Batman and Lois's baby. And so this baby was going to then grow up to be uh, Batman in the future. But then since Warner Brothers wasn't going to really allow that after, you know, they realized after Zack Snyder told them what the plan was after he'd already filmed some of the stuff, they changed it to where it was Superman and Lois's baby, but he wasn't going to have any powers and still was going to become Batman in the future. Mm -hmm. And so that was going to be like the third movie was everybody like the undoing of the timeline and them, them beating dark side. That's why the whole nightmare mm. stuff was the second movie and stuff. Okay. I'm not going to lie. I think it actually would have ruined it if they made it Lois and Batman's baby. I think you'd ruin it if they made any more of these two, these two other goddamn movies. <laughs> well, I mean, as long as they're yeah, at four okay. hours again. No, they all sound terrible. Well, the reason I asked the question is because, you know, in his dream or whatever, Mira's there. And it's like, did he ever meet her to know who that even is? No. You know what I mean? No, he didn't meet it. That's why it's a premonition. Uh, like, like okay. it's a legit premonition of the future. Got it. Stuff. Okay. And that's why, like, once again, it goes against the own, its own continuity because this movie specifically says Aquaman can breathe on land because he's of mixed blood. Mira's not of mixed blood. And she's just doing just fine in the fucking desert. Right. This movie's dumb. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, that's why I don't like when people say the word cohesive. It's really not. It falls apart under its own stuff all the time. And I think part of the problem is because it's four hours. You're throwing so much fucking shit into this movie. Of course you can't remember the other dumb bullshit you put in this movie. It's four hours. I had to or see other it people, three times. Yeah. Or other people aren't noticing because they're like, okay, I got through four hours of this. And that's kind of what they were focused on. Yeah. And at the end, you don't realize that, oh, maybe it didn't line up. <laughs> I mean, there's a bunch of little shit like that, you know. And so it's, that's why I don't like a lot of these aspects. That's why I don't like the nightmare sequence is because even if we do get this, these nightmare movies or these other movies, they sound fucking terrible. I don't want to see that shit. And I'd have to, I would have to see it. And that depresses me. Because you're a completionist. You have to see it. And I have no self-respect or dignity. <laughs> <laughs> well, to touch base on like the, the nightmare storyline, uh, there's actually a similar storyline with that in the uh, Injustice uh, video games, if any of you guys have played those, where uh, it's actually the Joker that kills Lois and Superman just goes just batshit crazy. And it's Batman trying to 
trying to, you know, to stop him. And it ends up being in multiple timelines where you get, you get the, um, oh my God, I forgot what it's called. Not like uh, the, all oh, the insurgency. You get the insurgency and then you have the, uh, the other name escapes me, but that's something, something similar that I thought was really it's neat. the regime. Yes, the regime. That's the other one. Thank you, Sterling. Thank you. I just know it because I've See, read I most be of, okay the with that. of the Injustice comics and stuff. And that would be fine. Honestly, if they just wanted to say fuck it and do an insert like an Injustice movie, I think it'd be great. I'd love that. It's That'd just be dope. with this whole nightmare stuff with it. It's like they were introducing that shit all the way back in Batman versus Superman in a weird way to tie all this stuff together. When if you just leave that out and go back and do it, and then just do the nightmare movie anyway, it would, you, you could still do that. You don't have to put these weird scenes into these other movies and hope your shit gets to be made later. Like, especially, like I said, he overcomplicates the nightmare sequence by adding the Joker into it, knowing that he's openly saying himself, he's not going to ever do those movies. And I know things can change, but it's also, that's the big problem with DC is how many years go by with them not doing shit. They want to catch up to Marvel. They want to do this Marvel shit. But then they're going like one movie every two fucking years. So they're never going to catch up at that pace. Like they're they're doing everything in such a weird order and all this other stuff that they just want everybody to accept their versions of these things without actually putting in the work. And it's really fucking tiresome. Yeah, I think that what really... And that's the thing about this movie is that it's just in such a weird place. I mean, really, when you think about it, there's really not a comic book film quite like this one because of the situations in which uh, for why it exists, you know, it's just kind of in that weird place where all these decisions were already made. All of these things already happened. And like I said, this really is just like that one guy going, Hey man, I just want to explain my side of the story. I just want you to know that, hey, look, I have this plan. I have these visions. This, I could have put this together. Look what I was building towards. Look, I wanted to have these guys in it and all of this kind of stuff. I wanted it to kind of have a storyline that kind of, you know, will be kind of in the spirit of injustice and stuff like that. I really think that that's kind of really the best way to look at this movie. It's just that it's a movie. I don't think it, this was made with him going, oh, I hope that these other movies get made. I mean, I, I don't think that was really the concern. I think it was just more like, man, I just want people to know what I was trying to do. I just want them that that's what this is. I just want them to know that the version that they got was not the, the version that I had planned and that this is what I had planned. I was going to try to have all these payoffs. I was going to try to have all these lead-ins to other stories and stuff like that. And I think it's just Zack Snyder's way of saying, look, man, you know, I, I had a plan, man, but this is what Warner Brothers did and this is what... And when you look at the kind of the pulse of the public, that's the way a lot of people are seeing it. After watching this movie, a lot of people are looking at Warner Brothers and going, why did you do this to him, man? Why did you drop him? Why did you drop all of this stuff uh, out of the movie? 
why don't you bring him back and try to restore the Snyderverse? Now that's kind of been the the talk of the internet. And I think that that's honestly what this is. This is a guy that didn't get to explain himself and what happened in the situation, explain himself. And now with a more clear understanding, you're seeing people take kind of his side. And that's really what this is. You know, some shit hit the fan. You got two people and two different versions. And then finally, you get to hear that second guy explain his version of what he was trying to do and what happened. And it changes your perspective. That really is this movie in a nutshell. You know, it was just his way of getting his version out and telling the story the way he saw it. So it's more about like artistic vision and him just being able to complete that movie because he shot that movie. It's, you know, it's just more of him kind of getting justice for the movie he actually created more than I think it is about if he would have ever gotten these follow-ups or anything. I think if Zack Snyder never makes another DCEU movie, he will at least be satisfied with, we got to really get his story, you know? And I honestly think he'd be satisfied with that either way. Well, as far as we know, even though he doesn't have a plan to uh, to make another Justice League movie until Warner Brothers says otherwise, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but Zack Snyder did not ask for any money when he made this. He did this strictly for the fans. And going back to what you said in the very beginning, Justin, about him doing this uh, well, not doing it for his ego, but uh, ego, I mean, it was a very small part of it. But, you know, this is like this was supposed to be my movie. I'm going to give this to you guys. This is how Justice League was supposed to be. Yeah. And that's a mm. great point. I, I I forgot about that point. But, yeah, I read that somewhere that he really didn't make any money off of this. So, yeah, you know, it's it's all of that stuff. It's not only the fandom. But also, it's just a man trying to, you know, say, look, man, that this wasn't what I this wasn't what I wrote. This wasn't what I shot. This wasn't what I did. What you saw was a version of this that I but it really wasn't my story, you know, and we finally got to hear that person who really didn't get to put his stuff out there. really didn't get to voice his case, really didn't get to you know, have his version out there. We finally got his version. And like you said, yes, a lot of it was just for that. It was kind of him redeeming what he shot. But it, yeah, but like you said, it was also just, yeah, it was purely just for the fans. And now he can sit better with it. You know, he now can take a deep breath and go, okay, cool. At least they now know what I was going to give them. And sometimes, you know, that's the, 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 that's all he, and I think, honestly, that's all he would need. And if Warner Brothers green lights and stuff like that, I'm sure Zach might come back if, if they get to talking and the offer's good enough and they give him some sort of artistic freedom. I imagine he might come back, but even if he ever does, man, I, I understand, man. It's got to feel good to get your actual, especially the way everything happened and the way everything was done. It's got to feel good to get your shit out there, man, to get what you actually envisioned 
for these characters out there and say, hey, man, look, that that dud that they made so many years ago, that really wasn't what I made. And then to hear fans and people say, hey, man, thank you, Zach. Yeah, the, you're, you're, you know, you, you weren't just lying. You know, you weren't just it wasn't BS when you were talking about, man, you got to. You, you know, your cut was, was better. You know, most people have affirmed to him that, yes, it is better. The the actors and the actresses have even been kind of saying it. So, like I said, this is the most unique comic book movie for those reasons. It's like it, it almost kind of stands in a place of its own because of this weird storyline and where it is, you know. And in that way, that almost makes it iconic in a way like just because of everything that happened it's more and it's less about what's in the movie but it's more about just the storyline of what it took to get to this movie and i think that is like infinitely more fascinating than the movie itself but it also adds to the movie's lore you know well that is a better story than this movie i 100 percent give you that the whole backstory of this movie is infinitely better than this movie but also, I don't want to act or give Zack Snyder credit for being altruistic when it comes to the Zack Snyder cut and the assumption that, you know, he didn't make any money off of this. Uh, he did because it, it's whenever he shot the movie. He got paid for it. You don't get paid to then edit your movie that you got paid for making. So I will say that it's just because he wasn't going to get paid twice for the same movie. That's why he didn't make any money off this one. He already did. I'm just throwing that out there. Let's be a little bit fair. Zack Snyder got paid. Um, <laughs> I just want that. Well, to I be think clear. what they were talking about though was like I think the when I read that article, I don't think it was about like that aspect of it. I think it was like because how much? Because wasn't there a lot of extra money put in this? And there was some reshooting and and, and stuff well, like that. The, I know that there was very there was a lot of aspects to this where it came out of his own pocket. It's what the the way that whatever I read or saw, it was saying something about that. Like a lot of this came out of his pocket to do. You know, it wasn't like. Um, but I get what you're saying, but I think that's what they were talking about. Like to to get the rest of it done and all this this extra money that had to go into it and stuff like that. From what I understand, there was a lot of out of pocket stuff that um that he did do where, you know, nothing was made in that way. He kind of there was a lot of out of pocket kind of stuff. If I'm well, not mistaken. And I'm not one hundred percent sure about this, but from what I've read he did pay for some of the sh scenes that were reshot, which included some stuff with the flash and some of the stuff with Jared Leto's Joker. Like those were new scenes for this, but that's because Warner brothers wasn't going to give him money to do reshoots. They gave him money to finish these special effects and to get an editor and, you know, to finish the movie, but they weren't going to give him money for extra stuff outside of that. So he did pay for some of those aspects. You are right, Justin. But that's just because Warner Brothers was like, well, we'll give you money to finish it, just not to add more to it. So that was that's kind of that. Because Warner Brothers still uh, put like okay. 70 million towards this, which went to finishing special effects and editors. And um, I think it was to 
for Junkie XL to finish the score because he hadn't finished the score whenever he was scrapped for Danny Elfman the first time around. Some of that stuff. So my understanding is the reshooting aspects is what Zack Snyder paid for, which, like I said, my understanding was some Flash stuff and some of in the Jared Leto scene at the end. So okay. Gotcha. And when he said he wasn't getting paid, is he talking about like, see, and that's the thing. I wish we, I knew more directors and stuff because or something, because I don't really know how this works. But is he talking about like he didn't give himself a salary? Like, I don't know. I don't know how it works. Like when a director makes something or something like that or how much they get or is there a certain amount that goes to the director like when a movie is made and stuff is there a certain amount like on top of what you get once it's made and all of that kind of stuff that and depends what, on your whatever okay okay because yeah. i wonder if if it's some sort of technicality like that like he didn't receive a salary or some sort of pay for the he got the pay to finish the movie but None of that went to himself. There wasn't a personal amount that he received for that. I, I I feel like there's must be some sort of technicality that he's talking about. Well, and it's because in the real world, when it comes to making a movie, he wouldn't have made extra money on this. You know, well, for the reshoot parts of it, because you don't typically get paid for reshoots unless a it's in your contract, you know, some actors do get it. You're, you're very high, you know, big name actors like a Ben Affleck can be like, no, if I'm doing reshoots, I'm getting paid X amount a day, you know, for reshoots. Not everybody can do that. Directors very rarely make money on reshoots, you know, because oh. it's essentially you're finishing the project you were paid to do, you know, most directors, you know, that's included in the money's budget or the movie's budget is their pay. And, you know, if you're an executive producer and a big enough director, you make money on the back end. You know, you make that royalty money. Yeah. You know, royalties. And he may have turned down royalties for this movie. That is very possible. But I do know he was an executive producer on a lot of stuff. Apparently, he wasn't on the weed and cut. They cut the, he was no longer executive producer on that one. So it could be that he's not making royalties on this one. So that okay. is that possibility. Well, it has his wife as a producer. Of the Snyder and, Cut. And and Christopher Nolan was in there, too. Uh, Christopher Nolan's been on these since uh, Man of Steel. Oh, I, I didn't know that yeah. until I was looking at the credits and I was like, oh, Christopher Nolan, holy shit, wow. Yeah, no, uh, Christopher Nolan was a producer on Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman, Justice League, uh, a lot of these movies. Christopher Nolan's been a producer on. That I didn't know. Mainly because he was the one that cons was the considered the, the, the guy that sparked the idea of doing more DC movies with the whole, you know, Nolan trilogy of Batman. But also, I mean, it would be hard to pay royalties on this, though, just for the sheer fact of how do you count it? You know, there's no box office. So you would have to yeah, you know, true. get Warner Brothers to go, well, you had X number of new subscribers that just watched this and never came back again. Maybe, you know, but I mean, it's just... I feel like this just muddied things. I really do. And I really do feel like this really puts DC in, or like Warner Brothers in a really weird pickle because they're already kind of in one because you have Ezra Miller getting a Flashpoint movie and then they've just still made Ray Fisher Persona Non Grata. Like they canceled the Cyborg movie. 
Cyborg's not even going to show up in Flashpoint. In fact, one of the big rumors is, is that Cyborg will get recast in Flashpoint and just have a different actor play uh, Cyborg and just have that be the Cyborg from an, an alternate timeline that moves into this one. That was I'd be fine with I'd be fine with that. I mean, I don't think you should just cancel out Cyborg completely. Like he's still a very crucial part to Justice League. I think Warner Brothers should just bite the bullet and keep Ray Fisher. I think that's I think, a smarter I think so decision. Too. But then you also and yeah. I say all that because you've got Ezra Miller on video beating a woman in an alley in like Norway outside of a bar, and they're just like, "Oh, that's fine. Oh, really? You still get a movie? When was this?" This is like, yeah, that's why I don't promote him very much. <laughs> yeah, like one or two years ago. No shit. Yeah, he was like drunk and like wow. choked this woman outside a bar. And there's like video of it. And I shit. didn't know that. Yeah, this Jeez. was like right in the middle of like the Me Too movement and stuff. Damn. Damn. Yeah. But Ezra Miller's still getting his own movie. And they're just like, man, Ray Fisher, we can't believe you had the audacity to call out a director on his bullshit that our own internal investigation right. confirmed. No movie for you. Ezra, just don't beat women in public anymore. It's like essentially the message right. they're sending. Jeez. Hmm. Man. Man, y'all got to get in that gossip. Oh, I, I never heard of that. I didn't. I saw nothing like yeah. that. Where did you find that stuff? Like I said, that came out years ago. I remember just when it was reported as a news story. I'm pulling up the year. Chat amongst yourselves. Wow. I must have missed that. That's uh. <laughs> damn well that definitely like you can't you can't just do that and look the other way like yeah like what are they doing oh god well okay so i'm gonna change the conversation here i want to talk about the movie again one one thing that kind of well, oh, made me raise an eyebrow real oh, quick wait, real wait, quick you... oh yeah B no, before you do that um article in variety august 6 2020 july 22nd 2020 uh, an article from the Daily Beast two days ago saying Justice League fans shouldn't forget about Ezra Miller attack. So this happened in late July 2020. Okay. Not even a year ago. I thought, see, that's so much wow. crazy shit's happened. I thought it was like two years ago. Nope, not even a year. Well, shit. Wow. I'm speechless by that. That's, jeez. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I'm so sad that I liked his character so much in this movie because, you know, I'm not a big fan of him. <laughs> Well, now I have another reason not to like him. So my uh, my my <laughs> dislike is justified. There you go. I guess I have to get the one from the what the CW or whatever it was. Who is that? Dude, actually? that show is fire. I'm oh, telling you right God, now. Exactly. No, Just go J ahead and get him, Justin. It's some more Smallville bullshit, Justin. No, this is it's some more Smallville bullshit. You know how like everybody in Smallville ended up getting powers from the kryptonite and shit? Yeah. It's like the same shit because like every other character in that fucking show ends up attached to the Speed Force in some way, shape, or form. Oh, just, man. Just do well, me this favor, the first just, season. Just check it out at least. You don't have to like it. You don't have to take Minder Sterling's opinions to heart at it. Just check it out. Do it. Do it for yourself. Don't do it for us. Do it for yourself. Yeah, and I was going to say, I've only seen the first season, and I really enjoyed the first season. I just needed to pick it back up and didn't, but do you yeah, remember? Do I enjoyed you remember the how first good season. that first season of Smallville was, Justin? Yeah, I do. It was it was very good. Do you remember that last season of Smallville, Justin? Uh, mm -hmm. But come on, man. I mm -hmm. mean, you got another. <laughs> all I'm saying is, you got another Flash. 
you got another flash. So, boom, we can fix that in a flash. Ah, nice. <laughs> anyway, what were you going to say, though, Kurt? I re- you were saying you were going to change the subject and then you started. And oh, then... yeah. No. So, OK. So in the movie, in I believe it was part three, when they were talking about the age of heroes and Diana starts talking about the the great war between or with man and the Amazons and the new gods and stuff like that. So in in that battle, they did show a Green Lantern. And um, the fact that there was only one of them was kind of puzzling to me because I, I know that it's one it's always one Green Lantern per space sector. Right. But he couldn't have like, I don't know, maybe like called up one of his buddies and like, hey, uh, I got the Destroyer Worlds coming over here soon. Uh, it's me <laughs> and Amazons and some of the gods from Olympus, but uh, we could do some help over here. And then he died like 15 seconds into that battle. And I was like, dude, there's no way, no way. <laughs> he would have put up way more of a fight than that. Well, then he just, you have that on top of the fact that apparently now there is no Green Lantern that goes over Earth. Because they say that multiple times in this movie, that there's no Green Lantern protector. That's that's interesting because so then so then Abin Sur, who the one that died... And his ring goes to Hal Jordan. What what space sector was he from? Was he not? He must have not been from the space sector from Earth. I mean, even if he was, though, there should have been one for our space sector, even if they weren't from Earth. Exactly. You know, but they say that because they specifically say, and I know it's even made a bigger deal of in the Whedon Cup, but I know it's still in this one because they say there's no Green Lantern and there's and, and the Kryptonian is gone. Yes. They changed some of the ancillary dialogue to that scene, but Steppenwolf does say that in this version to Dasad. Mm-hmm. He specifically says there's no Green Lantern for Earth. Now, I would understand that as making sense if they were saying there's no Green Lantern from Earth at that time, but yes, there should have been one as like for the overall sector, even if it was exactly. that little squirrel fuck that was a Green Lantern for a little bit. <laughs> also about that scene, now that you say that, that was a good point. And it reminds me of something else too, Kurt, because I guess I'm just so used to seeing Dark Side be like virtually indestructible. So man, I felt like they got they handled him a little too easily in that fight. I mean, I just mm-hmm. I mean, okay, he killed the yep. he killed the Green Lantern, but when he got cut like that and then they had to help him up and help him out there, and it just looked really like bad i mean it just it was kind of sad and i was like wait a second like right? <laughs> i'm i'm so used to him just nothing hurting him hardly that i just i could not accept that like that that was just how they now maybe you know this is a weaker one or that he was younger it wasn't as powerful i'm sure you know if there were later movies you could go in an explanation but I don't know. I needed some dialogue there or something to explain to me how that was enough to beat him because, oh. you know, like, we're so used to Darkseid just being he is absolutely ridiculous. So, like, if you've never seen Darkseid before, I just feel like you'd walk away from this going, well, what's the big deal about him? I mean, Ares cut exactly. him, so I know Superman can get him. Ares cut <laughs> you know? him. Wonder Woman can beat Ares. And you're telling me Superman would have a problem with the fucker? Yeah. 
So no, I, yeah. I, I do completely we, get that, Justin. I mean, it's it's incredibly inconsistent with how they handle that because you're telling me any of those motherfuckers that took Darkseid on in the past are like one tenth as strong as Superman. And I'm talking about the old gods and shit too. You've got Zeus and Ares and all them. You're really going to tell me they can really stand to to Superman? Come on. Yeah. I mean, he should have been, I mean, it should have taken just a, no pun intended, a Herculean uh, effort to take him down. I mean, it should have been something like, he should have been ragdolling them, man. He should have been ragdolling Zeus and all of them and just really like pawning them. Then all of a sudden, uh, they're they're all like, dang, dude, we really need to work together. And maybe if there was like a combined move or something that they did, you know, I don't know. I don't know how you fix that, maybe, because he had to lose or at least he had to retreat. But I would have almost preferred it better if his army was being defeated, but not him. And so he decided to retreat or something like, well, yeah, you like know. he was the only person left fighting all of them. Yeah. But yeah, honestly, he was the like, way you fix that, damn. the way you fix it is so easy. Have the green lantern instead of just getting killed by a twig or whatever the fuck that killed that green lantern. All you would have to do is have the green lantern do something crazy and sacrifice himself to injure mm. dark side. Like a kamikaze yeah. last ditch effort move. Like have like Ares jump on his back and Zeus is just charging him full of lightning and he just goes and explodes himself. And the ring just float, flies away. You know what I mean? That would have been a sick yeah. scene. Yeah. That's how you fix that, <laughs> is you have the Green Lantern sacrifice himself. to good, you Yeah, know. good call. And and so it was a last-ditch effort. It's a, you, you know, we had armies, so we had the luxury of making that type of move. Versus you have six people. Can you really afford a sacrificial move? Because if you fail, you now have five. You know? Yeah. That's how you fix that. I like that. that. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Or you just have Diana throw in the line of when we beat him, that was centuries ago and he's nothing but stronger now. Yeah. When she's yeah. doing that oh, whole yeah. explanation of dark side, just yep. toss that line in there. You know, with every world he conquers, he grows stronger. And that was a hundred thousand worlds ago. And so you just go, ah, then I guess he's really strong now. <laughs> like that's simple. true. You could have, yeah, you could have thrown something in there, but yeah, man, he should have been wrecking though, way more than that. Oh, yeah. So yeah, he should have been wrecking. But yeah, that was it. I just wanted to throw that in there because uh Kurt reminded me of that. But see, yeah. and then they should have thrown in some of the other crazy things about Dark Side. Like the fact that he outlawed laughing on his world. That should Did have been really? yeah. There's no laughing on Acropolis. <laughs> I would have died immediately. Yes, Sterling, weren't you yeah. talking about one of the characters that you liked that you thought would be in this movie more and they're not? Well, I'm glad she's not in this movie more. And me and Justin talked about <laughs> it a little bit. It's it's the character of Granny Goodness. Oh, yeah. She's only in this for a little oh. bit. And I'm so glad she's only in this for a little bit. And she's slightly out of focus the entire time. Because I feel like Zack Snyder <laughs> would have ruined her. Because she's going to be in the New Gods movie. Because the new God's movie is going to be based around Mr. Miracle and Big and Big Barda. And, you know, Granny Goodness is a huge influence on that story arc, you know, and in those characters. So she's got to be the main villain in that, if not Darkseid himself. That's the other thing, too, that really kind of complicates things, is they're doing a new God's movie. And the new God's main villain is Darkseid. But what the know? hell? <laughs> and so they are doing uh? a new God's movie. 
Well, because Darkseid is the father of Mr. Miracle. Well, not technically. The All-Father is technically the father of Mr. Miracle. And Orion is technically the child of Darkseid. But because of a pact that the All-Father and Darkseid made, Mr. Miracle was raised by Darkseid and Orion was raised by the All-Father. That was their way of keeping the truce that they had each other's sons. But well, Mr. Miracle's guys, a good guy. When you guys were talking about, uh, well, you talk about Granny Goodness not being in that movie a whole lot. Somebody else who wasn't in that movie a whole lot that still was in the credits, Jesse Eisenberg. I mean, he was in there oh, for, yeah. what, three those, seconds? Those two scenes? Yes, yeah. that's it. Same, <laughs> thing with, same thing with Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Will, Willem Dafoe had like, like, what, 16 lines total, maybe less? And he was in like four scenes. Yeah. But I mean, that's, I mean, they're in the, they, they have to be in the credits. You know, they do, they have to be in the credits, but I, I do get the, the point is it makes it seem like they were bigger in the movie than they were. I mean, right. Joe um, Magliano or how the fuck you say his name, he's in the credits and he's in it even less than Jesse Eisenberg. Well, I say that yet he's also in the nightmare scene. So maybe he's not. See, I, I didn't think that looked like him though. I thought that was somebody else. Nope, that was him. He had a different haircut than he did in the Jesse Eisenberg scene. So in the right. Jesse Eisenberg scene, he has more hair. And then in the nightmare scene, he's got more of a mohawk. But nope, that is Deathstroke in both of those. Hmm. Hmm. Which also, little known tidbit about Deathstroke and his costume, his little sword has an emblem on it. And that emblem is supposed to be a emblem for Rosal Ghoul's uh, League of Shadows. But the problem is, is there's not actually an emblem for him. And it's very obvious that some intern just went and Googled that and found this <laughs> emblem and they've used it. The bad thing is, is that's actually just a color swapped logo from Halo for like the aliens no or something like that. Yeah. Did somebody had covenant? Put, I, I don't know. I don't know Halo that well. I just know that it's from Halo and essentially it's a color swapped version of it that somebody put online saying it was the League of Shadows emblem. So when they Google image searched just for the emblem that popped up and was on the sword. I'm going to look that up. I don't know if it was, I don't know if it made the appearance in this cut. It may be just in the weeding cut, but you do see it. I know at one point, that's how I found out about that trivia. Now I take zero huh. credit for finding that out. I just read something that showed that. And I was like, Oh, there you go. Hmm. But do we have any more thoughts about Zack Snyder's justice league? No, I think we've we've we covered a lot mm -hmm. in a short amount of time. Yeah. I think we did a really good job with this. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think um yeah, I think this was good. Oh, ooh, one other thing. Not not really about the movie. This and this is it. Um it, yeah, this, there's this that, may there's be that a quick. infamous last thing from Jason. Yeah, there's the last you know, you Jason, I gotta <laughs> do a last thing. Does that need to be a segment now? Last thing from Jaston Taylor. Um, but but also another kind of conversation that is being had about this movie is that with, you know, it kind of having the success it's having and people watching it and stuff like this, a lot of people are saying, you know, does this, do you think that we might see like as far, as far as for streaming movie releases and stuff like that, could we see longer movies? If the, if the reception is, is that this worked and, you could have something this long and it could be separated and people still enjoy it and watch it and stuff. And then you kind of, you know, with the whole binging thing and everything, 
could we start to see longer cuts of movies be released? Could we start to see other studios going, okay, this filmmaker has this and he wants to do this and that, and it's going to be about three and a half, four. Do you think this could be a trend of any sort? Or do you really feel like it's just sort of a one-time thing, an isolated thing, and maybe that's not really a thing? I just wondered if y'all had any thoughts on that. God, I hope not. <laughs> it's too funny. You know, I understand what you're saying, Justin, because we also talked about this on the other one, that it's the whole binging aspect and stuff like that. But if you're going to do this, if you want to tell a story over four, five, six, 27, 34 billion hours, whatever, make it a fucking TV series. Just just say, fuck it. Make it a TV series. If I want to binge it, let me do that. Don't make me have to hit pause in the middle of your fucking nine hour movie just because you don't have the audacity to do what you should do and make it a TV series. I'm just saying what, what what's wrong with the idea of long form storytelling as a TV series. HBO has been doing it for decades. Fucking movies can just be movies and lit long form shit be TV series. I know what you're saying, Justin, and I bet you're right. I bet people are going to start doing this and you know what? They're all assholes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting to think about. And you're right. Like, you know how movies are. And that, and that's kind of the funny thing about them is that once a trend gets going, people just, you know, the movie industry will lack, latch onto it and milk it for all it's worth. So, yeah, I'm kind of with you. I don't know if every type of movie can get away with this. But damn, I, but but the moment that I saw, I read that or saw that in a video that was proposed, I was like, damn, man, I sure could see studios trying. That <laughs> they're gonna try. We're you gonna know, they're gonna try and fail. Cut of Endgame. They're gonna try and they're gonna try and fail before they not try. You know that much. So I just thought that that That's was interesting. True. I just thought that that was interesting. But yeah. Well, I mean, there was talk of. You know, them making the Snyder Cut into a, a four-episode miniseries. Do you think you guys would have enjoyed that more if it was a miniseries? Sterling, I know you would have. No, no, I wouldn't have because I could have paused it or <laughs> stopped it at any point with these chapters and just kind of kept going. What made it, may have made me like it more is if you did it per chapter, even if you do the epilogue as its own thing, whatever. So I think technically it's six because the intro was before chapter one. But... Maybe if you did it like that and did it weekly, I might be slightly more on board because of the way the story unfolds that way. But just by going, hey, here's four hours, even though we put chapters in it, it still didn't really, it didn't feel like they they really tried to really sectionalize those aspects. It really just felt like they shoved those title credits or those chapter, you know, cards whenever the fuck they felt like it. Not necessarily always making sense with story, just throwing them in there and going, yep, that's it. And then moved it. I mean, honestly, because in a TV show, I think if you did a TV show of six things, you would have told the story in a different order. And maybe that's what would have maybe like it more. You could have thrown the cyborg like uh, origin stuff maybe earlier in the thing instead of forcing it weirdly in the middle and maybe telling it in a different order. I would have liked it more but it really didn't feel like there was any real structure to it because it's not like they really went, well, these things happened in this chapter. These things happened in this chapter. It just went, they went, Hey, a bunch of shit's happened. Let's put a pause break. 
I can see that. Do you guys have any thoughts on what Kurt said? I mean, I think, I don't know. I mean, I, I could see it going either way. Like, I feel like the, it, it might have been good as just like a little like mini series of it. But I feel like sometimes if I'm not watching it all at one time, especially if I'm not as invested, like I was saying, like I'm not as in this universe as like Marvel or some other things, I think that I would, I wouldn't be able to keep the interest up every week with it as much as I would just watching it straight through as a movie. Maybe if it was like a Marvel thing, like with what they did with WandaVision and things like that, I might be more invested. But just because preference-wise for me, I'm not as familiar with this universe. It's not as captivating to me. I would rather just sit through the one movie so that I can just kind of get get through like what the whole story is. Because for me, my investment effort would be less, if that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense to me. And, and I kind of like what you said. They're like, if Marvel was like, we're if Disney Plus and Marvel was like, okay, let's just say they run through all these TV shows. We get Loki, we get all that stuff. And they're like, okay, we're just going to release a five-hour secret invasion. It's going to be the five-hour secret invasion movie. Man, I'd watch the shit out of that. And we're going to separate it into <laughs> chapters. Man, I'd watch the hell out of that. You yeah, know? sign me up. And, yeah, and and I would be invested. I, I would know all the stories leading up into that. And they were like, yeah, it's going to be a five-hour epic secret wars or invasion or whatever movie. And we're going to do the scrolls. We're going to get everybody in there. It's going to be all this craziness. And we're going to finish this story arc. I'm, I'd be so down for that. But I get what you're saying, Heather. It's got to, if you, I think you can get away with it. I mean, they obviously got away with it here, but the, it's got to be the right content. You're right. It, it, people got to be invested. People, it's got to be, it would have to be so unique to people's investment. And the fans willed this into existence. So obviously they were going to watch it. They weren't going to will it into existence and then go, man, why did why did you do all this, Zach? I mean, right. <laughs> I wanted this, but then I don't want this. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I think if it's the right content, if it's the right story, if it's the right investment, hell yeah, you could do it. You could do five or six. And and I think people would be there for it. No, like, don't you know? add another hour, Justin. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, because Justin, you you had mentioned earlier about like if there was a show with like the Flash and Cyborg, I think that'd be a great show. Like if you sick. did like not yeah. a movie, not even a movie about that, but like a series about that, like a mini series, I would totally watch that. That sounds fun, you know. Yeah, but but well, I am. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say what to Justin just said. No, I wouldn't want to watch five hours of fucking Secret Invasion. Be Disney and Marvel are fucking smart, and they won't do that to me. And they'll fucking release his fucking TV show because they're not a bunch of assholes <laughs> like Warner Brothers. So no, I wouldn't be. Yeah, you're that. probably right. I'd be mad. I'd be so damn mad if they did all this shit and they just went five hour movie Secret Invasion. That'd be the biggest <laughs> fuck you to me in the history of ever. <laughs> Man, dude, see, that's so funny because, dude, I would be so down. I would be so down. I'd be like, man, dude, it's going to be five hours, bro. Let's go, man. See, the thing Let's is, though, go. is if they just released it as a TV show, but they released it all on a Friday, I'd watch all five hours of it. 
But if they just do it as a five-hour movie, I get mad. Maybe that really is hypocritical of me. Maybe it is. <laughs> like, I totally get it. Because what Justin was talking about, we talked about this way more on the other one, that it's the idea of binging the stuff. Is it really any different? If they had released Justice League as six episodes of something, like six 45-minute episodes, and... Like, is it really any different than watching like a four hour movie? And like, when it comes down to it, it's like, it's not really, it's not really any different, but I do think TV shows structurally run differently. I think if this was a mini series, they would have structured it differently. And I might've been more on board. Mm -hmm. I think structurally mm -hmm. this thing's a fucking mess and all over the place. And so I don't like it. So maybe as a TV show, I'd like it more because TV does operate on slightly different rules. You know, it's like the idea of watching WandaVision as a movie versus as a TV series. WandaVision yeah. works as a TV series. Wouldn't mm -hmm. work as a movie, you know, because they do have yeah. different rules. Right. And I think, I think structurally it would have been better as a TV show with this whole Justice League, which is why I think structurally Secret Invasion would work better as a TV show and quit giving Disney bad ideas, Justin. <laughs> yeah, you somebody know Disney's listening to this, so you know somebody put heard it out me, there. Scarlet. You know, Great somebody heard me, Scarlet. <laughs> Let's go, Disney. I don't know five, six. How long does it need to be? Just, 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 just give it to me because I'm gonna watch it. <laughs> but I'm gonna watch. Honestly, it. on a streaming platform, <laughs> what makes more sense? Making people pay for a subscription for six weeks or one. Mm -hmm. Well, mm -hmm. you always True. will have the people that will just jump on after they've all aired and binge them. But what's more likely going to happen? You might have one or two weeks of somebody not watching something and somebody goes, man, I keep hearing about this. I want to watch it now. And so they get a subscription to watch it and then you get them for a few more weeks, which means you might get another renewal period. HBO, they might have a bunch of people sign up, watch this and then cancel it at the end of the month. So well, it makes that's, that's true. Infinitely yeah. more sense to make sure your series run long enough to get a, uh, a renewal cycle. Just saying. Well, and that's where, that's where Warner brothers did it right. Where, you know, them re releasing all of their upcoming movies to HBO max so that they can, you know, so that mm -hmm. HBO can have more subscribers and, you know, with all these different spinoffs that are going to happen, supposedly, you know, there, people are going to stay, the people aren't going to cancel these subscriptions. They're going to keep them. Because they, they don't know what's coming next. They, they know, you know, something good's coming. Oh, I'm going to keep this for, you know, another month or another two months. And then something else happens like, oh, man, I got to keep this. Well, for now, maybe. But later in the year, maybe not. You know, later in the year when things start opening up more and people are more vaccinated and all that other stuff, it might not. Might not be this as viable then. You know, this right now it works. But, but also, I will say this, HBO is also coming out with a cheaper version of their plan. It will be ad supported, but they are coming out with a cheaper version of HBO Max with ads. Mm. So maybe mm. that's the other side of it is they realized their price point might be pricing out too many people. If you can get it, you know, six, seven dollars less, but throw some ads on it, you get a few more people, and it works out a little more. Yeah. I do have a question but. for super fan Kurt. Um so you had mentioned that you were super excited for a long time about this release of it. So what what was it that made you so excited? Like, were you just super a fan of all the other like 
movies leading up to this? Or why was it that you were so like ready for this movie? Uh, that's actually an excellent question. Uh, I was actually going to touch on that and just completely just went over my head. Uh, I, I started hearing about it when I was listening to a Kevin Smith podcast. And of course, he's a he's a big Marvel DC you know fan, too, as well. And mm-hmm. when when the when the Justice League movie came out, there was talk of, you know, there was so much deleted scenes. And one of the scenes that he had talked about, which wasn't in the movie, which it was also kind of disappointing, was when Bruce is talking about he had when he had that dream, the the dream, uh, it was more like of, of a vision being presented to him by the Green Lantern Corps. The Green Lantern Corps came to visit him in in his sleep. I know that sounds fucking weird, but he, they, they presented him with this vision and that's, that's that, that dream that he had. And that's one thing that he talked about. And I heard that I was like, dude, that would be so awesome. I would watch the hell out of that and just kept talking Mm -hmm. and talking. And I still listen to his podcast to this very day. He's, he, uh, I know he did a, uh, a virtual red carpet premiere for, uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League, where he was with Zack Snyder and he did, you know, did some uh, like uh, virtual fan questions. And then right after that ended at midnight, Justice League started. So that, Heather, that was a great question, though. Cool. Yeah. Kevin Smith. I, I like that podcast, too. You're talking about the the fat man on Batman. Yes, that's exactly Is that what it. you're talking Yeah. Yeah, that that's I, I love that podcast and Mark Bernard and his uh, co-host is cool too. I love yeah. them. Yeah, but cool, man. Okay, so that 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 puts. I'm glad Heather asked you that because that kind of puts everything uh, in perspective too for why you were anticipating this. And see, when I think about myself, I kind of thought that Zach, I, I didn't like Batman versus Superman. So at first, when fans were talking about release the Snyder Cut, I was kind of on the other side of that. I was like, man, is it really going to be any better? Like, I mean, did y'all watch (laughs) Batman versus Superman? So I was kind of in that camp, dude. I was very, like, slow-footed going into this. And I kind of went in with just no expectations. And I was so disappointed in Wonder Woman 84 and this really did lift me a little bit. You know, it, it lifted me from where I was with the DC movies and stuff because, and maybe it was just a combination of being beat up by Wonder Woman 84. I think I just got beat so bad by that. Like yep. that, this just was, a, this was a little refreshing to me. But yeah, man, I was totally kind of on the other side of that deal when the whole hashtag release the Snyder cut was going on. I was kind of like, man, do y'all really want a Snyder cut? But I have to say, man, I I, I stand corrected. He had a better version of this movie. So, but cool, Kurt. I think that was a cool story. And then I'm firmly in the camp of fuck the Snyder cut. (laughs) Fuck the Snyder (laughs) verse. I officially don't like any of the movies that Zack Snyder's directed in this fucking universe. Just ugh. Although I am excited about his new movie coming out. The Army of the Dead? Yeah. That's that looks cool. Yeah. That looks cool. I'm gonna be watching that for sure. That's supposed to be out on Netflix in May, right? Yeah, something like that. I don't know. It's supposed to be just zombies and shit like that when you know that was the first thing that made me find out who Zack Snyder was was a zombie movie, so it's just kind of fitting I that he's going that. back to that. That what was the name of that one? Dawn of the Dead? Yeah, the original yep. well, the remake of Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good movie. Yep. So yeah, 
I'm more I'm more into that idea than I am him making any more DCEU movies. Although I am sad that apparently Henry Cavill might not be coming back as Superman anymore. No, no Batfleck anymore. No Ray Fisher cyborg. What the fuck do we have to look forward to, really? <laughs> I mean, there's Chris Evans talking about coming back as Captain America. Yeah, but that has nothing to do with DC. I, I know. I, know. <laughs> I realized it. But it's I said something that. to look forward to. And I'm, I've yeah. got way more shit to look forward to in Marvel. None of their fucking movies, really. Because I'm not excited about any of that shit. Oh, kind of Doctor Strange, too, which is weird. Cause yeah, I was going to say. I don't really care about Doctor Strange, but I am excited more about that. But I am excited about their, all their TV shows. WandaVision was great. This first episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier was fantastic. I've got, you know, I've got She-Hulk and Moon Knight coming out, which there's a there's a video of Oscar Isaac training for Moon Knight. I tagged Justin in that. Yeah. It yeah. Was pretty fucking good. That was tight. That was tight. So I am excited about all those things, but yeah, I'm not excited about anything with, with, well, I say that the one thing that I'm weirdly excited for is this new suicide squad. James Gunn really looks like he did a fucking good job with that. So we'll see. Hmm. And Batman's not going to be in that one at all. Uh, well, that's the other thing too. It's, it's, yeah, it's a Batman movie, but it's not technically a part of this universe, mm. which, you know, is fine. If they're just abandoning this universe, I'm okay with that. But then they're kind of not with Flashpoint. So, yeah, they don't know what the fuck they're doing. They're just all over yeah, I know. Mess. You always looked You always looked forward to your um, your Batfleck and your Henry Cavill Superman. I do. I, I think they're both fantastic. I, I really do. Yeah. I think Henry Cavill is a fantastic Superman that has been in nothing but a bunch of shitty superhero movies. Same with <laughs> Batfleck. I think Batfleck <laughs> is amazing. I think he's one of the best Batmans we've ever been given on, on screen. And he's just in nothing but the worst movies ever with it. <laughs> yeah, that's unfortunate. That's why, and that's one reason why I guess I liked some of the dehumanizing jokes from the Weedem version is it really kind of levels these characters out a little bit. Whereas in this, I don't think so. I think they're ungrounded and they're continually ungrounded. You know, I liked some mm. of the aspects of the way Batman talks about Superman in the Weedem cut when he talks about how, when he's talking about how to Alfred and he's talking about why Superman's needed and Alfred thinks he's talking about Superman's powers and Batman goes, no, he's more human than me. Like it's his humanity that makes him more important than me and and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I thought some of those things were so great in really establishing the importance of Superman. Whereas in this, the importance of Superman is he can beat people up, which don't get me wrong is incredibly important when you're going up against people like Darkseid and Steppenwolf <laughs> and stuff like that. But there has to be some other aspect of it. Like, what's the whole point of showing the entire world have these banners mourning the death of Superman when you just kind of alleviate the inspirational qualities that he possesses? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Henry Cavill's a sexy, sexy man. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> so I, I am sad well, so that I Well, so is Ben Affleck. Just, yeah. Yeah, no, no, hey, you preaching to the choir. We are there, handsome fellows. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying that I'm kind of sad that I don't get to see any more ripped, you know, Henry Cavill Superman. Dude I is mean, crazy ripped. I'll get to Man, see I'll get to insane. see it in The Witcher, which is nice. But you know, I want to see it in the Superman suit too. <laughs> I want to see him pick up Lois Lane and air bang her in the sky. 
Yeah, that. He's not Homelander. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> man, that don't mean they can't have a nice romantic sexual evening in the sky. But that was a good reference, Justin. That was a good one. A romantic sexual evening in the sky. Yeah. Okay. Why can't why can't two consenting adults fuck in the sky? Come on. <laughs> Without it being an evil thing, Justin. It can be romantic and nice. You didn't have to go straight to Homelander. Although that does make me want to watch The Boys again. That show is so good. I know. I need to rewatch that. I feel like it might be a little too much for me. I, I feel the same way, Heather. I, I watched a couple of episodes and I'm just like, Jesus Christ. I, I don't know. <laughs> but I felt the same way. I felt the same way about Game of Thrones too when that came out. The funny so, thing I mean, is about the boys yeah. is the boys is so much more tame than it is in the comics. That's kind of upsetting, but I mean, yeah. some of it is because <laughs> they literally had to. The comics were written in a different time, and there's like a lot of stuff that's not necessarily homophobic, but it plays into homophobic attitudes of the time. Like a superhero was gay, and they didn't want to be like outed, you know. They're not really saying that it's a negative thing to be gay. They're just playing on the homophobia of the time. And they have cut a lot of that out. They've also cut out a lot of the sex. There's way more sex in the comics. Um, and I, Isn't I say there a that, lot in the show, too? <laughs> well, no, there's not a lot in the show. There's some. But they're going to have it in the show. Because apparently in the season three of The Boys, they're going to have herogasm. Which, in the comics, herogasm is literally a non-stop drug-fueled superhero orgy for like a week and apparently they're going to touch oh on that in season three of the show and i am excited <laughs> wow oh the depravity of man that's what you love about it exactly the <laughs> depravity of that show just makes my heart melt <laughs> yeah so i feel like i would just be a little disturbed a little too disturbed by it no nope. my delicate sensibilities well, you need to get over that and watch the show because it's fantastic. <laughs> I mean, I was able to get on board with Game of Thrones. It was it was very like it's a very heavy show, but I was able to get into it. So, you know, we'll see. Um, what are your thoughts on people exploding from the inside? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can't say I've thought much about that, but I can say that it sounds gory and gross. <laughs> well, yes. But I, I remember mm -hmm. I remember that scene. I'm pretty sure I did let out a very audible squeal <laughs> when I saw it because <laughs> I just I didn't expect that. And I was like, oh, what? I also let out an audible squeal of <laughs> of excitement. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that I was just right. like, I remember I was just like, damn, what am I watching? Right? And then but I was intrigued. I was like, Sterling, I was intrigued. <laughs> See, but I mean, I do come from a place of I've I read the boys years ago, like I owned the boys. I, I read them a long time ago, so I knew the places the show could go. You know, they haven't gone to all those places, but I knew if they even went one tenth the way the comics go, I was going to see some shit <laughs> and they have succeeded. So I'm all about that. But, I mean, I think you were telling me that it's like. It's on the level because I remember thinking that um, Lovecraft Country was really gory in some parts, like with the you Lovecraft know melting Country of the body. Got shit. 
Yeah. And I think I remember you telling me that like the boys has even more than that. And I was like, oh, that was so hard to watch. Like, I feel like I won't be able to get through an episode. I mean, the boys kind of it's like take Lovecraft Country, Game of Thrones and mix in some of the Normandy D-Day invasion from. uh, Ooh, what's that show? What that movie called? Saving Private Ryan. There's a good time right there. That is a combination for you. Wow. Yeah. Mix all those together and you're you're kind of getting there. You're just so excited about it. You're just like, this is great. (laughs) I need to go back and watch season one of The Boys. I know what I'm doing tonight. Wait, is it like 10 episodes a season or what? Oh, I think it's only like eight. Oh. Yeah. Amazon's on that good, good. (laughs) Oh, my. So anyway, are we are we done with this now? Are we done with Justice League? We done. We done, done. Justin, are you done? done. I promise. Unless y'all want to try to hit the four hours, but. And another thing. (laughs) Well, Wait, last thing, guys, last thing. I'm going to pull a Justin. <laughs> oh, no. One more thing. Oh, and this is oh. on me. And Heather reminded me this is solely on me. We did not play the game with Kurt. Mm. So we I was thinking about that. I was like, ah, should game. I say something? I don't know. Oh, um, yes. So we're going to do that now. We're still going to play the game. Uh, we're going to do it now. Okay. That's why I'm saying one more thing. The game. <laughs> Oh, man, it's been a minute. All right, so first and foremost, question number one of the game. What are your top three favorite movies? Okay, so I don't. I have a lot of movies that I love, so I couldn't really give you my top three, but I have three from my list. And in no particular order, um, first one is The Birdcage. And I I love The Birdcage because mm. of the, the dynamic duo between Robin Williams and Nathan Blaine. I think both of them together were absolutely hysterical. Um, and along with uh, Hank Azaria, it was just – it was way too funny. So funny. Um, I feel like, too, this, this movie is more impactful nowadays with the legalization of gay marriage and uh, with the elimination of gender roles. I think uh, people – I'm not saying you should watch it, but at least, you know, check it out. It's it's worth the watch, definitely. Um, but yeah, that's my first one. Um, my second one, uh, Clerks, is my second one. Um, I love mm. Clerks just because I'm big, like I said, I'm a big Kevin Smith fan. Um, I, just, I love the simplicity of this movie, too. Um, the fact that it's shot in black and white is... I mean, it's not really a huge deal, but I, I read that he, he did that just because it was cheaper to film in black and white than it was in color. So that's how, that's how it's it stuck. Um, another reason why I love it is just, it's, it's relatable to everyday people with a nine to five job. You know, you, you're working at a, you know, a yeah. gas station as a clerk, you know, sometimes you don't want to go to work. You got to get called in on your day off. You want to go, go play hockey with your friends, you know? Um, <laughs> and then that. It, with Jay and Silent Bob is just, it's a household name now. And with that, because it comes with the eventual creation of a Kevin Smith cinematic universe with all of his movies. He 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 adds people in in his movies that were in his previous movies. I don't know if you guys have seen uh, Jane Silent Bob uh, reboot, but that was absolutely hilarious. And you saw just about everybody from one of his movies in each and every one of his movies. Um, So that's my second one. Uh, my third one is uh, a movie called Ford versus Ferrari. And I picked this uh, because of the 
dynamic duo between Matt Damon and Christian Bale. And I think that uh, Matt Damon played an excellent Carol Shelby. He did a really, really good job with that. I was really enthralled by it. Um, the other reason I picked this movie is because I'm a huge fan of historical adaptation movies. I like, you know, at the end where they, you know, give like the facts and whatnot, which is, I think, one of the reasons why I enjoyed uh, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah so much was because it was based on a true story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a great movie, man. I, I loved Ford versus Ferrari. It was definitely one of the best movies that came out that year. So I'm glad you said that. Agreed. I think I own that movie and I'm not sure if I've seen it. I may or may not have. I don't know. I have not seen it. Yeah. But all right. Number two, what are your top three favorite TV shows? Okay. So uh, likewise with the, uh, with the list of movies, I don't have a top three of my favorite TV shows, but I just picked three out of the list that I uh, really enjoyed a lot. Uh, first one is uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender, and I love that because of the the creative storyline and the the character development throughout the three seasons of this show. And then, on top of that, they were able to expand this universe and create another series that's just as good as this one was, you know. And I mean, there's and, and there's talk now of them opening up an Avatar Studios and making a another either TV show or live action movie, you know, it's pretty God that it's not a M. Night Shyamalan disaster again. Oh. I just, I loved, I loved Avatar the last airbender because you, it, it dug in deep with each character. And my favorite character in that entire series is uh, uncle Iroh because he's so, uh, I, I, I don't know a word to really just describe. He's just so wise. He's extremely wise. And I love that. He's, you know, just, you know, just kind of taking it easy you know, throughout the whole thing. And then when it's, when it's time to be serious, he's, he's very serious, especially when he's talking with uh, Zuko and uh, it's just, it's, it's an amazing series. I remember uh, binge watching it one summer a few years back and I I finished it in like two weeks. I was blown away by it. It was so good. So good. Um, Yeah. I like that show too, man. Tough was my girl. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I liked her. Absolutely. I loved her, too. Um, my second one is uh, The Flash. Uh, I love The Flash because I've I've been invested with this TV show since day one. Um, uh, even actually when he made it, when Grant Gustin made a cameo on uh, on the Arrow and we saw him and then I heard that there was supposed to be a Flash TV show. I was like 100% sign me up. Let's go. Um uh, another reason I love this is because there's there's so much material that they can use from the comics, and it's just super cool and amazing to see it come to life on screen like that. Um, but I also have a humongous crush on Candace Patton, who plays uh, who plays Iris. So, uh, Candace, if you're listening, <laughs> look me up on Facebook, send me a message, shoot me a DM. <laughs> hey, shoot your shot. Shoot your shot. <laughs> we are a very famous podcast, so she's probably going to hear it immediately, you know. Oh, oh, yeah, of course. Of course. I'm expecting something rather soon now. Um, and then uh, last but not least, uh, Breaking Bad. Uh, now, Breaking Bad was something that yes. I didn't get in. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Breaking Bad was something I didn't get into until much, much later. Um, I heard so many people talk about it. Like, Kurt, you got to watch this. This is so, so good. 
And, you know, I'd watch one or two episodes here and there and I just could not get into it. And I, you know, one day I just, I keep seeing it on Netflix. And I was like, you know what, let me just sit down. Let me just watch this. And I was, I think I was hooked after like maybe like the third episode. And I think what, what got me the most was just the plot twists in that entire series. Like you, you didn't know which way it was going to go. You'd think one thing and then mm-hmm. something else would happen. And then, you know, watching Walter White evolve into this man that he like no longer recognizes that his family no longer recognizes, uh, you know, and his, you know, fight with cancer and Aaron Paul, my God, Aaron Paul was amazing in that. I thought he was, man. you know, like I said, you know, another fantastic dynamic duo, you know, Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul, superb, absolutely superb. Had me on the edge of my seat every episode. And after that, I started watching uh, Better Call Saul. Still haven't watched the latest season, but um, mm. but like I said, I mean, Breaking Bad always had me on the edge of my seat, man. Great show. Absolutely great show. I feel like you just pulled this, a bunch of stuff from like Jason's catalog of things. <laughs> I, I promise we did not talk about this before. Jason, you coordinated. You know, yeah. <laughs> I promise. I promise. <laughs> You said something interesting, though, when you were talking about The Flash, which I think it kind of helps because you said that you were kind of watching it and invested in it from like day one when it started. I do think that that actually that kind of makes a difference. Like um, there are some shows that I've seen where, you know, I watched it when it very first premiered its first episode. And so when you kind of see it through from the beginning, it's so much easier for you to stay in on that show and also or well, depending, but. I feel like it, it makes it for me easier to be like, you know what? I want to see how this ends because I started it from the beginning when it very first came out. And it just, it makes you want to keep up with it. And sometimes you're kind of more fully invested because it's like every week you're following the show and these characters. So I feel mm-hmm. like that does make a difference sometimes with like, you know, this is a favorite show because of how invested I was from the beginning, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, there, I have another friend. Uh, shout out to Sam Bianchi. Uh, he and I watch the show a lot together and we uh, uh, we, we talk about it quite a bit. You're like, hey, what do you think of, you know, you know, this week's episode? You know, let me hear your thoughts mm-hmm. on it. So we, we talk we talk a lot. And we went we actually went to a, uh, a heroes and villains uh, con in uh, in Rosemont back in uh, I think it was like 2015 where we met. We got pictures with Stephen Amell and Will Holland, and that was awesome. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So, uh, how how did I do at uh, how did I do at the game? Did I win? Well, there's still two more questions. How could I possibly nail it though? <laughs> I mean, you, at best, you could be a fifty percent right now. <laughs> All right, lay them on me. Let's go. All right. So, number three, when it comes to movies and television, where are your top three guilty or is it top three? Or do we just do one? I don't remember. No, well, yeah, it's one. It's what's your guilty pleasure? Uh, honestly, I, my guilty pleasure this, is Pokemon. Right? Pokemon is something I grew up with, you know, from the age of nice. you know, 10. Uh, you know, I had... Uh, You're talking about the show, right? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, and the games, too. Like, you know, because of this, you know, quarantine, I was like, you know, I'm getting some, you know, I'm getting bored with some of my Xbox games. Let me, <laughs> let me switch it up a little bit. And I bought uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield and... I was like, okay, we'll see how this goes. And I, I was having a blast with it. It was so cool just, you know, just <laughs> because they changed the format. And then now there's so many. How could you possibly catch them all? There's no way. There's no way. <laughs> but they still continue to make TV shows about this. And, 
you know, uh, they, they put them out on Netflix and I'll watch them if I got nothing else to watch. So, I mean, that's, that's definitely my guilty pleasure for sure. Man, you know what the funny thing about that is, is, uh, I don't know. Are we like, are we becoming best friends? I don't know. Because like, (laughs) dude, shut up. No way. Did we just become, but like, um, well, it's funny. It's funny that you guys are becoming best friends and I'm realizing slowly that Kurt is my mortal enemy. <laughs> that seems so like all those, the all those correct turn of events. Definitely warranted for sure. Then, huh? <laughs> I guess so. Just my arch nemesis. No, no, oh no! But like, it's funny that you mentioned Pokemon, dude. Because like, my friend has been egging me for the longest time. You got to play Pokemon. You got to play Pokemon. And he just swears by Pokemon. And so finally, I told him, "Okay, man, if I finish this one game that I'm playing." I will play one of the Pokemons. But I was like, look, man, if I'm going to play one of these games, I want to play the the old one. I want to start at the beginning. If I'm going to play and if I like what what it is at the beginning, then maybe I will play some of the uh, the later games. So he was like, OK, and I'm playing Pokemon Blue right now. And I'm not going to lie, man. I didn't think I would like this. I was like, man, you know. I don't know if this Pokemon thing, if I'm really going to like this. And I am having such a blast playing Pokemon Dude, that's, Blue, that's man. The OG like, one too. And now, that's the OG now one. yeah, that's the original. And like, I'm, I'm having fun. It's fun, man. Like, I like all, you know, all the collecting and stuff. I like how you have a rival and there's a big quest and stuff like that. And it's got all the classic uh, RPG elements, but the monsters yep. do. They all have like personality and and the landscapes are interesting. And now I'm like, okay, I guess I see why people Mm -hmm. like this. But yeah, I just thought that was funny that you mentioned that because I'm playing (laughs) it for the first time actually right now. So, yeah. Well, make sure you do the rare candy glitch when you get far enough into that game. Do that rare candy glitch and then you'll have a blast. Okay. Okay. We'll do. We'll do. I mean, this sounds like a super exciting conversation for when I was in eighth grade. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Just saying. Um before I mean, before we no, get into the, the final question, the secret question, if you will, I do want to say something. I just found this online and it's a little meme. And it says, Imagine if th- this was the starting order for the MCU. And that it's Iron Man, Civil War. Guardians of the Galaxy. That'd be a weird way to start the MCU, right? Yes. And it says basically that's the DCEU. Neil. <laughs> oh, okay. Huh. I mean, because yeah. that is what they did. They did Man of Steel, Batman versus Superman, Suicide Squad. And then they wonder why nobody gives a fuck about their movies. God, that hurts. Yep. That hurts so much. <laughs> All right. So, secret question. This is super secret that we just started doing a few guests back, but it's probably the most important question. What's your favorite sandwich? Uh, I gotta go. I gotta go with a Reuben, a Reuben sandwich. Oh, okay. All right. See, I feel like he's trying to get back on my good side, just to secretly <laughs> attack me because he's my arch nemesis. I, I, I said a Reuben sandwich because I just recently had one for St. Patrick's Day, and I was like, God damn, I love a good fucking Reuben sandwich. That's the only time I'll eat sauerkraut is on a Reuben sandwich. Ah, uh, see, that's where you fuck up because it's also good on a hot dog with mustard. That's your damn mind. <laughs> Don't oh, get me wrong. Know, yeah, this is true. But it's but great I on a Reuben. But but I I've had more Reubens than I have had hot whoa, dogs with whoa, sauerkraut. Whoa, that that implies that you're <laughs> eating hot dogs without sauerkraut, 
which is a flawed thing to say. <laughs> at least I'm not eating. At least I'm not eating it with ketchup. I mean, all right, that's fair, but still, uh-huh. Uh-huh. mustard and sauerkraut—that's like the best way to eat a fucking hot dog. I feel like Kurt just really knows his audience right now. He knows. He yeah. knows the right things. But like to say. I said, he's trying to lull me into a false sense of security to attack me because <laughs> he named the second best sandwich out there. Yes, but still only second. Does so he I'm get points wor- if he knows what the main one is? I, there's no way you don't know what the number one sandwich is if you listen to any of our old episodes. I'm trying to think back. <laughs> I feel like I feel like oh, you'll I, get this. I got nothing, man. Nemesis. Oh, nemesis. <laughs> False sense of security. See, he was trying to lull me in. He give me, tried. give me a couple, give me a couple days. I'll guess it. I'll find out. There's only one sandwich it could be. It's the end all be all of sandwiches. It's the best sandwich to ever exist. When I say those things, only one thing should pop in your mind because it's the only correct answer. <laughs> and since Justin's been silent, I'll let Justin inform Kurt of what the true greatest sandwich is. Man, I don't remember what you said either. Hey, how the fuck do you not remember this? Justin. See? Nemesis. You are my nemesis. Oh, man. You two are trying to team up like fucking Lex Luthor and Deathstroke at the end of this fucking movie. And I'm Batfleck. <laughs> you guys trying to take down know. the mighty Batfleck. And it won't happen. I'm ready. Did you did you say the tra- traditional club? No, Justin. What, the Billy the Cheesecake? Tra- man, no, Justin. Out your goddamn mind. Just shit. <laughs> man, I fucking hate you now. I hate you. You are my nemesis. All right, Heather knows. You're going to have a light bulb go off. Heather knows it. So go ahead and say it. You, because I can tell by the way you've been talking, you know what it is. So go ahead. It's the cue. If you you get this wrong, I'm going to laugh so hard, Heather. Yeah, she said it. Go ahead and say (laughs) it. That would be funny, right? It's the Cuban. Yes. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Don't act like that's just some revelation now, Justin. Okay. (laughs) Come on. You should know that. You knew deep down in your heart of hearts, you knew what it was. You was just being an (laughs) asshole, and that's why you wouldn't say it. Those are good, though. I don't eat those enough, though. I should eat those more. (laughs) It would have been funny, though, if I was wrong. I was just, like, so sure it was right. (laughs) And he's like, no. (laughs) How? like, it's a grilled cheese, of course. And he's like, no. Come on, guys. We've talked about that sandwich more than any sandwich on this podcast, mainly because when I talk about it, I talk about it ad nauseum. <laughs> it does to... make me want a sandwich now, though. I'll be honest. Now that I think about it, I should just get a, a Cubano sandwich tattooed on me. You know, it wouldn't be the yeah, it wouldn't be out of character, honestly. <laughs> I think that's probably one of the best ideas I've ever had. <laughs> Minus your Whataburger tattoo, of course. Well, it's one and the same, pretty much. Just greatness. Right. All the greatness. All the greatness. <laughs> so I get tattoos on me. That's why I don't have no Dallas Cowboy stars on me. Ha ha, fuck you, Jastin. Ooh, oh, low, man. Low, man. And you know what? And fuck the bulls. Ha ha, got you too, Kurt. Oh, <laughs> right to the heart. Man. Right Is this heart. about the traditional club Philly cheesesteak? <laughs> yes. I've never been as disappointed with you. As when you said that, I was I wasn't even as disappointed in you when you said you liked Parasite. I wasn't even as you know disappointed with you when you said you liked Hereditary. I wasn't even he's as hitting, betrayed he's hard now. Whenever you talked about not liking Kroll, but now I am, Justin. This is war. 
Oh, no. He's going to send you a bunch of stale rolls. That's what he's going to do right now. No, 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 no. Stale bagels. (laughs) Stale bagels. I'm just going to send you. Or bagels. What I'm going to do, Justin, is I'm going to send you an undisclosed amount of really good rolls. But hidden in them, in disguise, will be one stale roll. That will be indistinguishable from the good ones. It'd be like picking out one of those pieces of chocolate and you bite into the one with toothpaste in it. Yeah, and you're going to get the yeah. stale roll, Justin. You're going to have that bad that's, roll experience. That's so mean. <laughs> For the first time ever. <laughs> that's so mean because I would just eat them. I would go, oh, how sweet. Four fresh rolls. And I would eat them. And on the last one, it would be stale. And I would know it was you. And that's so mean. <laughs> oh, it's going to be it's worse really than mean. that, Justin, because I'm going to send like a dozen or two dozen Ooh. with just oh, one hidden man. stale roll. <laughs> so you're going to be just in what you think is heavenly roll town. You're going to be 16 <laughs> rolls deep with eight more to go. And then you're just going to get hit with that stale one and you won't even want to touch the other ones. Still will be perfectly fine and fresh and ready and good, <laughs> but I will have ruined that's, them for you. That's harsh. It's hardcore. That's really harsh, dude. Come on, man. Why you got to be so graphic, man <laughs> on the podcast? I'm going to do to you and rolls what the boys did to that man who was invisible. Oh, God. Oh, my stop. God. Stop. Please stop. I feel like I don't need to know what this is, <laughs> but I feel like I need to know what this is. No, they exploded him from the inside out. That's the, the reference from earlier. Oh, that was the explosion person. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Justin. I'm going to explode you from the inside with rolls. Going to implode you. No, don't change my life. I'm going to make you second guess every role you have for the rest of your life. <laughs> I just actually can't believe that you've never in your life had a stale role at this point in time. That's no just kidding, right? beyond me. No, he, he's never had a bad role. That's why we're joking about it. He said nope, they've always never. been fresh and good. See, that, that, that makes yep. me trust you less as a person, Justin, just because that means you've never eaten a random role that was sitting on the counter. And what kind of person doesn't see, eat the random counter roll? <laughs> I don't know. I've just never really frequented that kind of roll. I just like them fresh when I can smell them, you know, when they come out of the oven. You know, I'm just, I guess I was just too good for that, you know. I need them to be fresh. <laughs> but Justin, I need them. it's a counter roll. How do you not eat it? <laughs> it's just sitting there going, hey, eat me, please. And how do you look at <laughs> it in its little roll eyes and go, no. I won't eat you because you're not fresh out the oven. That's cruel, Justin. That's cruel. All right. Now I got to ask, where where are the best rolls? What are the best rolls you've ever had, Sterling? The best rolls? I don't know. Probably my grandmother back in the day. She made a good yeast roll. Those homemade ones? Yep. Just good old-fashioned yeast rolls. If you guys are looking for good, if you guys are looking for good rolls, hit up, uh, hit up Lambert's Cafe in Sykeston, Missouri, the home of the Throwed Rolls. Yeah, don't they throw them at you? I was about to say that. Yes, because I've been there before. And, uh, dude, some of these guys chuck them across the damn restaurant. Bring them up. But they're good, right? right? They're like fresh. Raise your hand. They'll throw it to you. And they're, they're good at it, too. That's awesome. This sounds like a place now, that how I How much love. money can I pay them to throw, throw Justin <laughs> a stale roll? A stale counter roll. <laughs> no. I, guess I have never been there, roll? but I've heard so many people talk about that place. Yeah, but that also means yeah, I have I, to go to Missouri. So kind of sitting there at fuck that. I thought they had one in Texas. Am I wrong? 
Uh, hold on, I gotta pull up. Yeah, that kind of implies I'm gonna eat anything other than Whataburger when I go to Texas. (laughs) That's true. That would never happen. (laughs) But if it is there, Texas, let me know. Maybe I can. What was that record you had, Sterling, of like how many times in like a week you had had Whataburger or a day? It was like eight times in a week, I think, right? Oh, it's when I went there for like six days, I had it, I think, nine times. And I got pretty much the That's same thing great. every time, with the exception of when I went there during breakfast. Outside of that, I just got green chili doubles nonstop. Uh, it looks like you the closest one to them. you, Justin, is in uh, Foley, Alabama. Actually, they're, they all look okay. like they're easy, equal distance apart, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, and who the fuck wants to go to Alabama? Fucking nobody. The same with Missouri. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Justin went for those roles, though. <laughs> the, Alabama roles, and Missouri though. are the curtain Justin estates. Yo, hey, hey. <laughs> hey. Jason, say something, man. Come on. He's got a point. <laughs> man. Unbelievable. That's messed up. Unbelievable. That's messed up, dude. Nimisai. Nimisai. <laughs> anyway. Uh, now I just want a bunch of food, honestly. <laughs> and on that note, we're just going to end this podcast, too. So. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Simulslayers podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.simulslayers.com or Facebook where we're Cinemaslayers podcast or Twitter and Instagram where we're cinema underscore slayers. Uh, give us a five-star rating review if you can uh, in your little podcast listening app. And if you can't, write to whoever makes your app and go, hey, let me do that. And, it, and if they still say no, then get a better app. Uh, shout out to Plug Migo for our new theme song. And shout out to Justin and Heather for our new little stingers. We do have another one that is hidden that will come out whenever the episode deems it so. And uh, just remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight is a Best Picture winner. Okay. Are you okay? Are you okay, Eddie? Nobody knows Eddie, anything but you. Are you okay? Are you okay, Eddie? All right. Are you okay? Are you okay? What's the deal? What's you okay? Cinema Slayer. Slayer. Eddie. It's so much harder to do with this song. <laughs> I don't know, Justin. That just didn't work. Go back to the drawing board. <laughs>